0: And welcome in to another edition of Bleeding Green, Beers, Burgers, and Bearcat Football. I'm your host, Matt Daniel. And talk about having the wind taken out of your sails. A very disappointing loss by the Bearcats last week. 33-13 against Emporia State at home. A loss I pro- would say we probably haven't had at home to a team that's not Pitt State since 2003. Central Missouri. That's probably how far you can go back and look. Um, certainly at a margin of victory like that, but listen, if if you're a, a fan who's uh, and, and they're out there, boy, if you spend any time on social media or the D2Football.com message board this last week, yeah, there's there's uh, at least some vocal ones out there. How many I I don't know. Uh, we know they're loud, um, you know, calling for for Coach Wright's job. I'll be honest, that just seems ludicrous to me. Um, And, you know, other people's jobs, whatever, um, you know, running down players. If you're looking for that on this week's episode, you're going to be sorely disappointed. Um, I would like to think through the history, the young history, I guess, of this podcast that Hopefully, if, if you're a regular listener, you kind of know what to expect. Things to be definitely more on the positive view. That doesn't mean we ignore that I ignore when bad things happen or anything like that. But that's not what this podcast is going to be about. There's there's a lot of stuff to talk about. We're going to talk to the voice of the Fort Hay State Tigers, Gerard Welbrock. John Dykstra from the Maryville Forum will be joining me to talk about the Emporia State game as well as this upcoming matchup Saturday night in Hayes, Kansas. This week's player interview, number 44, senior captain Isaac Folstead, And of course, the Bearcats, according to Eli, as well as a lot of clips from Coach Wright from after the game that I would like to share with you and from this week's media luncheon as well. But first off, oh, I just want to talk. I don't really do that a whole lot on this podcast. Just get on here and, and talk. I, I don't have notes. I have some things that I think I would like to say. And I don't know whether this is going to go on for five minutes or if it's going to go on for 20 minutes. I, I honestly don't know. But there's some things I want to say and that I want to address and that I want to talk about mostly for myself. It's not that, listen, if we disagree, I might think your opinion sucks. I might think your opinion is stupid. doesn't mean I hate you or think you're stupid, you can think my opinions are stupid, and hopefully you don't hate me as a person. I've had a lot of time to kind of think this past week. And, you know, I I think you know where I'm going to come out on all of this. And I, you know, I know I have friends and other people who think I've gone soft. And you know what? Maybe so. Maybe I have. I've, I've definitely changed as a fan I wouldn't necessarily say just because of this podcast. I think I have a different outlook, a different view on things because of it. And let me be very clear in earnest when I say, I'm not saying I'm any better than anyone else. I want to be very, very clear about that. But through a lot of different things, having kids, you know, it makes me think, what kind of fan do I want to be? What kind of fan do I want my kids to grow up to be? You know, specifically Eli, right? We spend all of these time at Bearcat Games. And one thing, you know, at the end of last week's game, stadium's clearing out. People are leaving early. I get it. Um, I'm not usually one of those people. I obviously was, was going to the press conference after the game, so I wasn't leaving early. Um, it's something that I've said to Eli that we pretty much aren't going to do anyway. You sit there. And you just kind of take it, right? And Pori State comes out. Some of them danced on the paw at the end of the game. And, I mean, you can be be mad about that, I suppose, if you wanted. I didn't love that. But you got to take it. You know, you got your butt kicked. You lost. And you kind of got to take that. And what I see as it makes the wins more enjoyable. It seems like nowadays, you know, we're at a point in this program where you win a football game, well, that's not enough. You won by 10, you should have won by 20. You should have won by 30. What's going on? You know, why is why is this not 2016? Um Well, the big difference is Coach Wright, he must be the problem. You know, that that seems to be kind of this narrative, which is something I absolutely don't agree with at all. And, you know, I've read so many different opinions and part of me wishes I wouldn't uh, wouldn't have and just stayed off. I listen, I purposefully stayed off the fan page after the Missouri Southern game, stayed off uh, d2football.com's message board because I knew. I knew what was there. I've been a part of all of that long enough to know and understand that I knew exactly what people were going to say. And I knew exactly what people were going to say after Thursday. And listen, I I'm not saying any I'm not saying you can't or shouldn't have opinions, have opinions. Criticize people if you want, whatever. I don't, I'm not, you know, Coach Wright or the players or whatever, they don't need me to defend them. That's not, that's not what my purpose is here. That's, that's not what I do. Um, just because I don't openly criticize doesn't mean, you know, I don't, I don't work for the university. I'm just a fan. And, and again, you know, I just look at things a little bit differently, I suppose. I know that And I'm just comparing myself to who I was maybe 10, 15, 20 years ago as a fan. And it's that, you know what, the sun came up Friday. You know, the the thing I was upset about really had nothing to do with the game. Um, There was no hearing what people were saying as they left. It's not just on social media. And, you know... But I mean, come on. I mean, let's let's be real. Calling for a coach's job after a loss. I can't imagine something dumber. <laughs> to be quite honest,ly like, I don't know how else to say it. And again, I'm listen. I'm. It's not a personal attack on you if you take it that way. So be it. Whatever. I tell you what. At some point here, regardless of where you fall on this issue, I'm probably going to say something that's going to upset you here in the next whatever, however long I ramble on. That's probably going to happen. Um listen I I like coach Wright. I like him as a, as a person. Um I'm not going to shy away from that. D- does that affect my opinion? Maybe so. Probably it does. Um I don't think he's perfect or never makes mistakes. Um or anything else. I you know, I I don't not trying to get anybody to feel sorry for him. God knows nobody else does from any other team, fans, players, coaches, ain't nobody feeling bad for Northwest this week. I tell you what, people are happy finally, you know, Northwest gets, gets some of that. I bet other fan bases are pretty happy about that. Listen, don't feel sorry for anybody. Um, The thing that upset me, I guess, is not, you know, when we, when we don't view other people as human beings, it's real easy to just hate them i suppose and 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 that's a this and that's not something that really has anything to do with northwest i suppose it's it's you know turn on the news, turn on a you know political podcast, or there are certain sports media outlets that you know that are big time because. You know, they drop a few F-bombs and insult some people and, hey, that's edgy or whatever it is. Um, I don't know. I, I, I view people as people, you know, regardless of, you know, who's on the sideline coaching Northwest at any of the positions, no matter who's calling plays or whatever players are playing. I, I mean, yeah, I, I'm not going to lie and say I don't get to know people and get to like them as people and I, I would never be naive enough to say that that would never affect my opinion, but no matter who's wearing that paw on their helmet, I want them to be successful. I don't, you know, want them to fail because this other guy likes, so they can get in the game and, and, you know, have a good play. And ah, see, I told you, I, I don't care about being right. I guess I'm, I more care about this team winning and being successful. And, and I get that, you know, talking specifically about coach Wright you know he's I don't know how to say this it's probably gonna sound harsher than it is but he's not a warm and fuzzy guy he's not a jerk either let me just be very clear when I say that I like coach Wright I I I know where he's coming from I, I get that um but probably that coupled with... You know what, he's he's been head coach since 2017. He doesn't have a national championship, so he's going to get, you know, he's going to face some of that probably until he does. Um, And it's not like he or the players don't talk about winning national championships. I'm not saying don't expect great things out of this team. But I think we could all do a better job of enjoying the ride more. You know, last season, even through all the ups and downs, and the disappointments of it, I enjoyed it as much as any season that we probably didn't win a national championship, to be honest with you. And that's what I try to bring to this podcast, you know, is and I do my very best. Listen, I'm not perfect again. I'm I'm not I'm not on my high horse here saying I'm any better than anybody else. Because I'm not. Listen, I have I have opinions. I criticize people from time to time. I don't think every I don't agree with every play call. As well, maybe they should have done this. Yeah, I have opinions, all like that. But you know, also hindsight's kind of 2020, and I don't always view that as as something productive to share on here. Um, You know, I I could get on here, I guess, and rant and rave and and uh, you know complain. There's plenty of that in the world. That isn't that isn't what I want this to be. That isn't the kind of fan that I want to be, and that isn't the kind of fan that I want Eli to be or any any of my children. Honestly, um, you know that's the thing that the game was disappointing. You know, I kept putting my arm around Eli, thinking, "Hey, buddy, you okay? Boy, this is disappointing or whatever." He wasn't, you know, that he wasn't a oh, you know, they suck or wh- whatever. He didn't say any of that stuff, and and I'm really proud of that. You know, and I try to encourage that. It's not like, again, (laughs) you know, it's not like I'm perfect or anything like that. That's not, that's not the point of this. I'm just saying, why can't we err on the side of being kind to people? You know, okay, you want to have a discussion of why you think this player should play, this person should coach or shouldn't coach or whatever. We can have those discussions. It doesn't have to be hateful. You don't have to hate that person. Um, You probably shouldn't. I don't know that that's maybe the best thing mentally. You know, that's something, mental health is something I think about a lot. I don't talk about it much on here, but it's kind of at the forefront of my mind at all times, honestly. And it's a lot harder to hate and even specifically dislike somebody, if you know them, doesn't mean you can't be critical. You know, at, at all. But listen, you had a game where you had six turnovers against a good team. You know, I think anybody that looks at that game and says the dynasty is over, or you know, the whatever has been destroyed, or whatever, I think you read a box score. You didn't watch any of the game, and you certainly don't understand football if you watched the game and got that opinion. You know, again, I'm not saying you can't criticize, but let's talk about Chris Runkie, Quarterback from Platte City, Platte County, state champion, great quarterback, could have went to bigger schools. Yeah, he had a pretty rotten game. Okay, four interceptions, he made some good throws. He made a couple of good plays, but overall, yeah, he had a, had a pretty rough game. Now, listen, I you know Henry Martin came in and and, and played better, had a little bit of confidence. I mean, Emporia was playing more of a prevent defense. Let's let's call that out. Um, you know, and so maybe you're you're not exactly comparing. Apples and oranges to that situation Here's what I want for Chris Runkie, though I hope whether it's this week and, and we don't know at this point as of recording time Who's, who's going to start at quarterback You know but I hope he gets an opportunity to redeem himself At some point That's what I hope for Listen whether it's this week or down the road somewhere I don't know but that's what I hope for You know I Again it makes no difference to me Who's playing Um you know, they're guys that I like and certainly would like to play well. But you're never going to... I mean, whether you hang out with me in the stands or whatever, you're never going to hear me actively root against anybody. Um, you know, I may have opinions of how people are playing and things like that. But it just seems so, so counterproductive for people that would openly root against a player, you know almost celebrate when they don't play well or, or against a coach. Um just to be right. That I I I will never understand that, to be quite honest with you. Um, regardless of if you think you know, that there needs to be a coaching change or not, which again, I'm never gonna agree with you on that because I think that's a stupid argument, quite frankly. Um yeah, after one loss, I mean, come on. Let let's see what this team is made of, you know, the again, I don't think the team particularly played poorly. I mean, listen, you got your butt kicked at home, lost by 20 through six interceptions. You're able to move the ball. The defense did some good things. I think they, they looked better specifically in the secondary than they did against Missouri Southern, you know, injuries happened. You can't excuse them because they happened. You know, it's next man up. Guys have to perform. That's fine. You know, you criticize, have opinions, but just hating on guys and running them down, like that's, and, and here's really my opinion is, listen, it's not going to hurt coach, right? It's probably not even going to hurt the players as much because they're, they're tuning all of that stuff out as much as they can. Not that it's not going to affect them. I'm not going to say that it wouldn't, but what you're really doing is, is you're, you're hurting family members, people who care about those people by dehumanizing them or or you know saying they're garbage or they don't care or whatever it is. You know, one of the most one of the most ridiculous arguments that I heard that I read this week. And listen, this isn't the first time it's been brought up and honestly, with all of this, I almost just ignored all of it and went on, which is what I would normally do. That's probably what I've done for the most part. Um, maybe address it a little bit, but this is something, I don't know. Uh, listen, I need to say this stuff for me as much as, as much as anybody. But one of these arguments was, well, you got to go out and get somebody outside the program as your head coach. And listen, t- if, if someone's not a Northwest fan, this is going to sound incredibly arrogant. It is what it is. What makes us special? You know why? Why does this podcast exist? Is it because of me? I don't think so. I mean, I guess, I guess technically, yeah. But why would someone such as myself want to do a podcast about Northwest? Why isn't there similar? Why are there not similar podcasts like this around the rest of the MIAA for other teams, or even around Division II football? There aren't that I know of. Um, if there are, there aren't many. It's because we talk about the culture and we talk about once a Bearcat, always a Bearcat. And to take those things seriously, you know, to, to look at having a program that you can be proud of. These are the things that I think about. What do I love about Bearcat football? Listen, do I love the we have six national championships. Yeah. Do I love that we have all these MIAA championships and, and all these playoff games and playoff wins and all that stuff? Yeah. Yeah, you bet I do. But it at what cost, I guess, do you want those other things? Not that we can't win more national championships or whatever. That's that's not what I'm saying, but that seems to be wins and losses or you know, that's something that that's all some people care about, I suppose. You know, if you're going to do that, I would suggest, you know, go buy a, go buy a fair estate hat. You know, if, if you don't care about, about how things get done, just that wins happen. Yeah. There's a hot take for you. How's that? Um, you know, go, go buy a, a, a fair estate shirt. You want to do that? Fine. Yeah. Go, go, get, you know, get somebody that wins. If that's what you want to do. Or do you want to have a program that you can be proud of? And again, I'm not saying it's an either or thing. But what I am saying is that for what 30 years, almost 30 years, we have had you know, a team and a program that's been run essentially the same way this whole time. We talk about the Bearcat culture and doing things the right way and getting the right kind of kids In the program, the right kind of young men and coaching them up the right way. Look back at Mel Churchman. All right. And listen, it's not like coach T never got criticized or anything else. Yeah. You know, you win three national championships. That stuff isn't as loud. I get that. And like I said before, you know, rich doesn't have that national championship, maybe to quiet a little bit of that. So, so maybe that's a reason that it's a little bit louder. But it wasn't a win-at-all-cost thing. I don't think it ever has been with Coach T, with AD, with Rich. You know, it is isn't. yes, let's just get the most talented people in here, and who cares? You know, culture and everything else be damned. Let's let's just do that. That's not the way things are run here. And if you're just so quick to throw that away, I would question that. Then why? Like, wh- why do you love Northwest? Is it so you can go buy a new hat every couple of years and and wear it around your friends and brag about a national championship? Hey, i do those things, too. <laughs> I'm not saying that's in itself a bad thing. To to want to be and aspire to that. It, uh... I don't know. I... I I just thought about a lot of different things in a million different ways about this. And I'm, I'm 20 plus minutes into this rant and I guess I want to probably start wrapping it up, you know, like this is what does it hurt to just not be hateful? You know again, I don't need to defend anybody. My whole point in doing this isn't to defend coach Wright. It isn't to defend any of the players that's that's not that's not why I wanted to say any of this you know it it's they don't need that. they certainly don't need it for me. Nobody needs me to defend them. um I just think you know when I say. Be kind because kindness makes a difference. It's not just something I say. It's not just some box I check at the end of every episode because it makes me feel good or it's some branding thing or, or whatever. That that isn't why I do any of this. It's because that I believe that. Like, that makes a difference. And And if you had to choose why wouldn't you choose to be that way that doesn't mean you can't criticize you can't have opinions i think i feel like i'm saying the same things over and over but truly if you view people as human beings as people with families um you know that that they love and love them and you know it makes it harder to hate people and I guess that's the thing that probably upsets me is the venom and just the unabashed hate. And I understand, listen, it's like I said at the beginning, it's it's not special to Northwest. This is just what our culture has become seemingly. Social media makes it worse. I mean, if you spend 10 minutes on social media, you take a break, you come back and spend an hour, which do you feel worse after? I don't know what your answer is, but mine is after I spend an hour on social media. Because that's just what it is, I suppose. And, you know, it's just like the rant that I went on last week on the fan page. It wasn't, that wasn't for anybody. It wasn't to try to make you feel sorry for somebody um, or necessarily defend anyone that was for me cuz that's that's just me that's just how i feel and i'm not sorry about it i guess is is the thing here that that i'm getting at is the reason why i do things the way that i do them on this podcast is i want this podcast to be something that appeals to everyone. And it's something that people can be proud of. You know, I'm proud of it, but listen, if, if you're around me very often and you hear me talk, there's, there's going to be some F bombs that fly out. That, that is who I am. I'm going to curse. And that's, that it's me, but I don't do that on here. And it's not to try to make you think differently of me or, or be fake. It's that, If you want to listen to this podcast with your kids, if you want to send it to, you know, your friend that's a priest or, or whatever it is, I want you to be able to do that. It isn't, you know, for me to come across as better than anyone else or anything. That isn't the point. And I don't know, I guess I. I just got really upset because there's not enough kindness. There certainly wasn't this week, and there won't be. Listen, if we come out and lose against Fort Hayes or whatever, if we win by 10, it should have been 20. If we win by 20, it should have been 40. I mean, whatever the case may be, right? Like, it's, it's going to be there, and I'm not going to address this every single week. It's just something that I kind of felt like I just needed to say. And hopefully this all made sense. This There was no notes. This is a one-take deal. So I didn't really know where I was going to go with this. But um, hopefully it comes across the right way. If, if you've been around long enough, hopefully I built up enough goodwill that you'll take this in the best way possible. I'm sure I didn't say things perfectly. I usually don't script things. I like them to be natural. This wasn't that at all. It was just, let's turn it on and, and rant a little bit. And anyway, that's what I did. Well, that's the beginning of the podcast. So I tell you what, I'm going to stop it here. I'm going to take a time out. I'm going to come back. We're going to talk about the Emporia State game because it, guess what? It happened. Not going to not talk about it. Um, It sucked. It wasn't fun. People didn't play well, but you know, I'm going to believe that things are going to get turned around. I certainly wasn't right about the Emporia game last week, but the other thing I guess that's – that's listen, if we were lined up and just got our butts beat because they were better in every area, they just to a man beat this team, then I think you could – then if you want to be concerned about the talent level, about where this team is going, all of that stuff, yeah, that's fine okay, I could probably get behind that. To be honest with you, that is not what happened. If you watch this game, that is certainly not what happened at all. Um, we got outplayed, but we didn't get out talented. It wasn't that they just showed up and won because Northwest has no talent. That is certainly not the case. And players aren't perfect. Neither are coaches. And, and, uh, I think this team is going to bounce back, and I think there's a fire lit under him, and and uh, we're going to see. I've got audio from Coach Wright after the game. I've got some from the from the media day. Also, defensive lineman Kobe Claiborne is uh, was was at media day as well, and then uh, we'll be chatting with with John Dykstra from the Maryville Forum. Isaac Volstead, number 44, linebacker for the Bearcats and captain. He will be this week's player guest, and Gerard Welbrock, the voice of the Fort Hay State Tigers will be joining me as well covering that because they seem like they've improved. How improved are they? I, that's interesting to see. I guess we'll, we'll probably find that out as, as the season bears on. And don't forget the Bearcats, according to Eli. So we're going to shift gears. I'm going to come back. We're going to return this thing to normal. Rant over more after this here on Bleeding Green. And welcome back in here on Bleeding Green. Time to talk more about this uh, loss last Thursday against Emporia State. I know we don't want to, but uh, I don't think it's as bad as as some people think and would say. You know, there there were definitely some positive things to glean from. And I mean, at the end of the day, you lose by twenty; it sucks. Okay, I'm not going to say that it didn't. I'm not going to say it was fun or or anything else to uh, to be there in the stands. But boy, if we think as fans that we took it any harder than those directly involved in the game. I think we're kidding ourselves. So, uh, let's, let's put some good audio, some some uh, interesting things from from Coach Wright. And uh, I'm going to start by playing what he had to say that kind of led off the press conference. I was interested to know just what his message to the team was in the huddle after the game.
1: We talk about next man up all the time. We talk about overcoming adversity. We talk about you know having to find a way to yes. And we just we we had opportunities out there. You know that was the funny thing about it. I mean, the game we had several opportunities to close the the score to take the lead. Um, the field goal right before half was huge. Um, we've got to convert in those situations, particularly when you lose your starting quarterback and best receiver in the second series of the football game. And uh, we just we we just did not do that. I was disappointed. Um, I was disappointed in the last possession off the turnover. I felt like we had played really hard defensively. We hadn't played perfect and we made some mistakes. But, I mean, out of the 33 points, you can wipe seven off because we weren't on the field for him. You know, and um, it was it, that one because I'm not ever going to take myself out of a game. If we can find a way to yes on that drive, then, you know, then we drive the ball down the field. It changes the complexion of everything. You know, Henry had a good drive. He did that. Um, but, guys, I, I, was it six or seven turnovers? I don't know how you win. I don't know how you win with that, right? I mean, you all have been around football for a long time. You're not going to turn the ball over that many times and win. And, uh, you know, everybody thinks it's so cliche, but it is true. I mean, it's it, it boils down to extra possessions for the offense. It takes you off the field. It's, it's just more and more opportunities. And, and, you know, that's, that's the reality of it.
0: Not going to turn the ball over six times and win too many football games. I don't think anybody's, uh, you know, looking at that any, any other way differently. Now, again, I don't think you just excuse them. Like, ah, it's a fluke thing, crazy thing. You know, that happens. Well, well, uh, everything's great. You know, I also, you know, you're not gonna you're not gonna turn me on and hear me say probably um, it's gonna it's certainly gonna take a whole lot more than this for me to say oh the sky's falling the good times are over oh woe is me no n- none of that stuff either the one thing I'm I'm interested to see is is this team's response Saturday night and you know it's that that's gonna tell us a lot about where things are and ultimately listen just need a win <laughs> it doesn't matter again you. You know, if win by ten, well, it should have been twenty or thirty or whatever, that that's probably gonna happen. But but ultimately the way I'm viewing this is look at it like the Mo West game last year, right? Where you're banged up, you're down some players, you just gotta find a way to win. Period doesn't matter it it, it's it doesn't matter the margin none of that stuff matters and and another question I had the opportunity to ask coach right after the game was what the coaching staff was going to work on about kind of preventing this loss a disappointing loss like this from lingering on
1: I think the thing you have to do is you have I, I mean it is what it is right it's no different than the week prior we we won a football game now we've got to figure out how to overcome adversity Um, I don't know what the status of the guys that were out tonight is going to be moving forward. I don't know, but I can't control any of that. And that we talked about that in our huddle too, is that we talk next man up that that's college football and that's what happens. And you have to be, you know, when it, when it's your moment to be called, you have to be able to step in and execute at a high level if, if we're going to be successful as a team. And, you know, so for me, Um, I don't think there's going to be a hangover. Um, I think usually we have a pretty good response. We'll see what happens next week in Hayes, but, um, you know, we, nobody's going to feel sorry for us. You know, we've been, we've been in the upper echelon in the MIAA for a long time. And, and, you know, we better pick ourselves up. We got punched. You know, now what I want to know is how are these guys going to respond to having a setback like this? I mean, you know, let's face it. Not a, there's not a kid on that football team that's ever lost a home game at Northwest Missouri State. So, it was 2018 was the last time we lost a home game here.
0: If you're looking for things to be positive about, you know, I of course always am. It, I think it's that message right there of of the no excuses. Injuries happen, and you got to deal with them. And you know, you I look around at what other teams do. Grand Valley State they paid, played played uh, Pueblo out of the Armac in uh in allendale this past weekend went to overtime they won that game they were on their third string quarterback by the end of that game and you know injuries happen you have to overcome that you know you just have to if you're going to win football games if you're going to play deep into the season and deep into the playoffs those are the kind of things that have to happen you know we we really don't know anything concrete about Mikey Hohensey's situation at this point. It seems like it's not the the season's not over. Uh at least you know I came out of that game as I was watching the sidelines and everything. That that's kind of what you know the the feeling that I got just looking at it. You know, and and listen, nothing's come out. We probably won't know anything. Um but, you know, in a few weeks who knows what happens. So it's I don't think it's the automatic, oh he's done for the season. But there's a lot of rumors floating around. I'm gonna I don't deal with any of that stuff on here. So I just talk about things that are uh, that are already out there. And so we'll see. As far as Khalil, as far as KG goes, um, boy, those those are pretty important guys too, and you need them. But if not, you know we we do have a lot of depth at receiver, and a lot of depth in the defensive backfield, and so guys are just gonna have to step up. You know they don't have to. Play like those guys. Whatever young quarterback plays doesn't have to be Mikey; they just have to be themselves, and uh, and be patient, and I think not turn the ball over is is going to be the key. But you know, the a, a group that's played really well is the offensive line. You know, there's there's not you know guys on this offensive line the names right. We don't have a Mitch Goff, we don't have a, a Tanner Owen, we don't have a Gabe Bouts. But as a unit, they're playing as well as you know any group in recent history, not giving up a sack through two games, the, the amount of holes and in the running game that have opened up. And and coach Wright talked about that at this week's uh, media luncheon. You
1: know, the one thing that's been a a stark difference to a year ago is that, you know, we've been able to run the ball for two football games and, you know, our quarterbacks have stayed clean and, and that's, you know, really important. So, uh, you know, they've done a good job. We're going to have to lean in on them a little bit more. Um, you know, to try and keep um, the nerves of young quarterbacks in check. Uh, You know, I think one thing, though, and and I don't think, this isn't to make excuses, but, you know, it's pretty difficult when you get put in the position of never having played a college game and having to go out there and execute because you guys the Cup of Football understand that the the number of reps that the backup sees compared to the starter are, are drastically different, and so... You know, it just it puts him in a difficult position. Uh, the good news is that he's got a whole week to prepare as the guy. And you know, whichever way we go, they're going to split reps all week, and uh, we'll go from there.
0: Now the focus shifts to this Fort Hayes State game, and uh, you know that's interesting. You know, they're they're kind of an interesting team. I, I, uh, you know, a lot of folks thought, well, you know, if Northeastern State's going to win a game, it's going to be that Week One game against Hayes, and Hayes came out and stomped them. Um, they hung with Pitt last week, boy, we're watching that score, you know, especially we have the lightning delay last week it gives us a little bit extra time to uh, kind of see what's going on in other, uh, you know, in, in the other two Thursday night matchups and, and holy smokes, you know, they're up 14 to 10 late in the first half, Pitt gets a field goal and then um, and scores 27 unanswered open. Uh, You know, open the second half and ends up 40 to 14, but uh, they're kind of interesting. Coach Wright talked about them and kind of what he's seen from Hayes and how he evaluates them at this point.
1: They've got, I'm going to say new quarterback, but in essence, he's really not. He started, you know, multiple games for them a year ago because their starter was injured. Um, A lot of offensive line uh, shuffling around, but they had, you know, all of them had game experience from a year ago, most of them did. Receiver position's been impressive to me. The tight end position's been impressive to me, and their back runs really hard. They've got two that uh, are both pretty good football players, so we're going to have our hands full. Flip it over on the offensive or the defensive side of the ball. They're in that four-two-five with the nickel. Um, they they do a good job. They're sound in what they do. They're not going to give you plays over the top or try not to get plays over the top. They're going make you drive the field on them. So, you know, we're just going to have to take what they give us, so to speak. Not to worry so much about chunk plays, but worry about just consistently being able to put together drives.
0: The thing that's always interesting for me to see, you know, as I talk to players kind of throughout is, is who's going to join coach Wright at the media lunches changes week to week. It also changes kind of what players are available after the games for the press conferences and things. And at this week's media luncheon, it was number zero, Kobe Claiborne, who, uh, you know, I've talked about before as a, as a D lineman and, you know, th- there's some, Spotlight on the defensive line You know as in hey we're two games in There's you have one half Of a tackle for loss that was Jake Fisher from Thursday night's game Um, Now we're just talking about D-line The the team has more but and No sacks on the defensive line and, and Kobe was asked about how um you know he kind of views that and how how that group is coming along and and how they feel about uh, needing to get better.
2: We're definitely we're not where we want to be at all. I think we've given up a 180 yards rushing um in the in the last two games which is not Northwest standard. And we hold ourselves to high expectations as the D line here. We're supposed to be known as as the best group on the team and, and that's just not where we're at right now. So it's we're taking that challenge personal. Um we got to be a lot better coming forward and so we're, it's, it's all accountable on ourselves as D D-line, and Coach Wright, he's D D-line coach, so um, we hold our, ourselves to a high standard. We're just not there right now. And what, what do you think it, it needs to get there, maybe? Do you just think it's maybe more attention to detail, just yeah. more energy? What What do you believe is I, you yeah, yeah. yeah, I definitely think it's the attention to detail, just being simple. I think um, at times all four of us just kind of Got out from our system and kind of did our own thing, in which we which we can't be doing. Um, if we just stick to our system, stick to what our coaches are teaching us, we're going to be perfectly fine. So this week, that's just what we're honing in on is just those little simple details to our defense. And I think that from there, we'll be a lot better.
0: You know, as I look at this game against Hayes, I mean, that's, that's something I'm going to look at is how this D-line performs. And not necessarily sacks. I think sacks can sometimes be an overrated statistic. Uh, tackles for loss. Is usually a better, uh, I think, a better indicator, um, but also just getting pressure on the quarterback. And, and Kobe went on to talk about that. They don't always measure themselves in sacks. They're going to look at just putting pressure on Ford Hayes.
2: But I think the biggest thing is not the sack numbers. It's getting that pressure because we haven't really, we've been, had a couple hits, but that pressure just has not been there. And if we can influence the throw without getting the sack, that's just as good as a sack at times. So but if we're not getting home, getting that sack, we just have to influence that throw, get in his face, make him think that, that we are going to hit him, and then that's going to impact the whole game. And we just haven't been doing that to this point. So this week, that's our focus is get as get as much pressure as possible. If we get a sack, we get a sack. But just having that pressure in his face all night.
0: You know, as I look at this game, here's what I see as the keys to the game. We'll start right there on what Kobe was talking about is, is on defense is the pressure we're able to get On the quarterback. And you know. I'd like to see this defense force some turnovers. I think. Look at that. But but the stat I'm probably going to look at. Is the number of plays. That our defense is on the field. And you know. More than sacks. More than whatever. Is you know. On the field for 40. Against Missouri Southern. 68 against Emporia. It's got to be closer. To that you know 40-50 mark. And if it is, then our defense, I believe is going to play a lot better. And, and, you know, that's where, Hey, you know, do you want some sacks or do you want to force, you know, do you want to stuff them on run on first down and force two incompletions second, third down, Hey, and incompletions, that's not a sack. That's not an interception. Let's force a three and out, you know, like to see some more of that from this defense. And I think if they can get to where they expect to be and what, We expect to see, out of a rich right defense, it'll be a little bit closer to that. So that's real interesting. Offensively, I look at, one, turnovers, right? That's so cliche. Oh, yes, you know, turnovers. I mean, that's key. Um, Let's shoot for zero or one, I think, is going to be a key. But also, the quarterback play, right? Whoever it is, whether it's Rinky, whether it's Martin, whichever quarterback plays, um, you know, hopefully there's some patience and let's run the football. The way the offensive line is playing if they continue to play at that level, pound the rock, and I think that's going to be a recipe for success and whatever young man is playing quarterback, it's going to take some pressure off of them and get your playmakers in space. You know, you don't have to you don't have to take shots down the field if you can, you know, I'd like to see maybe some, you know, some underneath stuff, some screens, things like that, maybe short passes to get the confidence up of the quarterback, but I but beyond that, I think the 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 patience and you know the rushing yards are gonna be a real big key because then you know the more rushing yards you're you're gonna have Saturday night, the less you're gonna need the quarterback to pick up that. So that's kind of where I'm looking at. It. All right, coming up, of course, my chat with Isaac Volstead, senior linebacker, captain. That'll be next. My chat with Gerard Wellbrock, voice of the Fort Hayes State Tigers. John Dykstra will be joining me and the Bearcats, according to Eli. That's all coming up in that order next here on Bleeding Green.
3: Hey, Bearcat fans, this is Mel Churchman, former Bearcat coach. You're listening to Bleeding Green with Matt Daniel.
0: And welcome back here on Bleeding Green. It's time for this week's player interview. Joined by number 44, a second year captain uh, starting middle linebacker, Isaac Volstead and, uh, Isaac, man, thanks so much for taking some time and, and joining me once again here on Bleeding Green.
4: Oh, absolutely. I appreciate you having me on again. Looking forward to it. Well, let's
0: talk about you. I mean, last year when I had you on, we talked about everybody knows your brother Jacob and maybe not as many people know your brother, Ryan. What, what was it like, uh, you know, growing up with the the three of you, I'm guessing a lot of rivalries and uh, <laughs> things like that sports wise.
4: Yeah, I mean, obviously, growing up, you want to be just like your brothers. You want to hang out and you want to be just like them. But with such, I wouldn't say it's a huge age gap, but four years between me and Ryan and six years between me and Jacob, it was hard for me to keep up. So, like when we were playing out in the neighborhood with friends or neighbors when we were younger, my parents always joke about it, it was always the neighbor kids and my brothers running around. And I was always about, 10, 15 yards back, just trying to keep up. So, I mean, it was good for me. I was definitely the annoying little brother that they didn't want around, but it was good for me and it was good for them. So just kind of having them around was a great influence for me because they helped keep me active and kind of introduced me to sports. And that's kind of how I fell in love with just staying active.
0: Oh, was, was, I know, obviously you're a heck of a soccer player as well as football player once you got to high school, but when you were younger, was it kind of all the sports, you know, was it whatever season it was? Is that what sport you were playing?
4: Yeah, it was a little bit of everything. So soccer, when we were younger, was a fall and a spring sport. So we were always busy with that. Winter, we always had basketball and that kind of bled on to spring and summer a little bit. And I always played, um, uh, we always played, uh, baseball in the summer which thankfully i'm sure my dad's very happy i gave it up a lot earlier than my brothers (laughs) (laughs) and then summers was always kind of off for us too so we just kind of hang out um and just do whatever help my dad around school or kind of do whatever we could to stay busy in the summer and obviously kind of um goes on again and we start football and soccer every year so that was kind of what our life consisted of it was always busy doing something
0: well, and from from Iowa City, so were you? Did you grow up an Iowa Hawkeyes fan?
4: Yeah, we did grow up Iowa Hawkeyes fan. I mean, our house is probably ten minutes from the stadium, so we went to a couple games every year, and uh, just kind of that's what we watched on Saturdays.
0: Nice. Do you, Do you have a game when you were younger that that kind of sticks out, like a certain moment, or
4: or oh, I was there
0: when when that happened, anything like that?
4: Uh, I didn't really go to any huge games when I was younger, but uh, I just, one of the coolest things when I was super young was uh, when Iowa beat Penn State. They won on a game winning field goal, and Daniel Murray was the kicker who went to Regina. So it was kind of a personal thing where you felt a connection to the team in a way. And that's the first time I ever saw. Iowa stormed the field too so that's just kind of one of the things that stuck out to me just because it was so personal I kind of felt more connected to a moment like that
0: well yeah Regina I mean heck of a program you played in four state four straight state title games winning two of them in your uh, your high school years on the football field on the soccer pitch you were a two-time state champ um what was that high school experience like it seems like there was a, a lot of
4: success Yeah, thankfully, we were blessed with a great program and great coaches. Uh, Obviously, Marv Cook, as a head football coach at Regina, everyone knows he had success in college and at the pro level. And he kind of brought in other coaches that played at Iowa and had that experience. And we had a coaching staff full of former Iowa Hawkeyes, which was just fantastic for us. Having all that experience and knowledge really helped gave us an edge on everyone else. And then, as far as soccer goes, we had probably one of the smartest soccer coaches in Iowa. He's still there today, so um, and what was cool about the soccer program is he always brought back former players to help coach. I like my freshman year, I played with a bunch of seniors that I looked up to and were great teammates. And then the next year, they come back and they're coaches. They bring back that experience. and I think we went to maybe 11 or I don't know how many 11 or 12 straight state tournaments. So just having that experience coming back every year, bringing back that knowledge kind of helps propel a program and kind of keep that tradition going and kind of in the off season kind of, well, now he's sort of an unsung hero is Alex Kanellis. He helped develop all the athletes in the weight room whenever they're in their off season. So, I spent a lot of my off time, free time there going, going in every morning and every afternoon, and that's kind of – he's always been one of those guys in my corner. I'll still go back and see him and work out with him when I have time back off on breaks. So I was very, very blessed with uh, fantastic coaching staffs, and I don't think – it's hard to imagine um, having anyone better
0: well, and, you know, by the time you're in high school, you mentioned Jacob, he's he's at Northwest. Do you remember the first uh, Bearcat game that you ever went to?
4: Oh, my first Bearcat game, I would have been in seventh grade, maybe. I don't remember any specifics of it, because uh, obviously Jacob wasn't playing. But I just, what always stuck out to me is how close our families were to, the. my family was to the other families. And we'd tailgate with them, and I'd only see them once a week. But just how close I felt to them was just a different feeling. I don't remember so much about the game, the games as much, but the tailgates are really what stuck out to me for the most part.
0: Well, what point for you was it when you know you really started getting recruited to where you think, okay, you know, college football is for me? Do you remember? I mean, I know was it your, you're a heck of a running back besides a linebacker in high school? Was it, uh, was it like junior year before that?
4: Um, I I would always say it was a goal of mine to play college football. Obviously being Jake Jacob's younger brother, I always kind of wanted to be like him and he kind of gave me that aspiration and football was always number one in my life. And I knew if I wanted to go to school and I had, uh, if I wanted to, hopefully have a chance to have college paid for football was going to be my route to do it. So I saw that at a young age and kind of seeing the way uh, Jacob paved the path for me, I kind of had a blueprint for that. So that was kind of early on freshman, sophomore, junior years, kind of when recruiting started to ramp up, but I always knew kind of that I wanted to play football at the next level.
0: What, I mean, obviously we know, you know where you went you had a pretty good, uh, you know, look at nor- Northwest, um, to at least kind of know what kind of program it was and things like that with your brother there. But what schools were you seriously considering whenever you, uh, you know, when you kind of sat down to it and ones that you would say were, were in the running?
4: Mm-hmm. Well, what's funny is that at the end of my senior year, um, I, it was either Northwest to play football or I was going to Iowa to be a college student. I really wasn't sure whether or not that I wanted to play football at that time. Which, looking back, what was I thinking? But uh, other schools that were interested was Minnesota State, Mankato, you uh, and I, and South Dakota State kind of came in there near the end. But I really wasn't sold on playing football just because I knew the commitment it was going to take, and I think I was just. I don't know what was going on at the end of my senior year football, but if you ask my brother and my parents, they were on me every week. We'd come down for visits to Northwest, and they say, are you going to commit?" Me? I don't know. So I was just kind of a pain in their butt that way. And I don't know if I wanted the attention or not. I was just a dumb 18-year-old at the time. So I don't know what was going through my mind, but looking back, I'm very thankful I made that decision to come here.
0: Well, what is – by the way, we were all dumb eighteen-year-olds at, at one point. So you're just a little closer uh, to that than me. What, uh, um, what was the thing that that put it over the edge for you? That okay, I'm going to do this. This is what I want to do, and, and I'm coming to Northwest to to play football.
4: I mean, it was just the tradition and the family atmosphere around here. I've, I've, obviously, every team preaches we're a family. We're a family. We're close to our players, but no other. Program really felt like home when you walked on campus. I mean, there are obviously other beautiful campuses and things like that, but walking on the campus here and walking into the program, it's hard to replicate the feeling you got in Maryville just because the town is so backed or backs the football program so much. And all your teammates want what's best for you, whether you're in the same position group, different position group, whatever it may be. And your coaches are always in your corner. So it was hard to find another, another place that felt like I was going to get the support and the backing I needed to be the most successful person I could be.
0: Well, perfect. Well, you, you come to Northwest, of course, and, um, you know, we always talk about that red shirt year and kind of hanging out with, with your class and doing, you know, going to class and working out and going to the union and eat. Do you have any, any fun memories or, or stories from, from your red shirt year?
4: No, honestly, it was more so just, like you said, getting to know your friends. I mean, that's a time where you're really not sure how you fit in or where you fit in and some stuff. But just kind of getting to know your classmates and get to know the field of programs, kind of what's what really sticks out to me from that year. Because obviously there are some stories I can tell, some stories I probably couldn't tell, but (laughs) But just kind of getting closer to my teammates, obviously being here for six years now, almost all of them are gone, but it's kind of hard. Looking back, it's awesome to uh, know all the relationships I made throughout the years.
0: Well, let's go back to 2019. And, uh, you know, that was your your first collegiate start was that year at Emporia State, which, by the way, was a heck of a game. Eleven tackles, a tackle and a half for loss. Do you remember that game?
4: Yeah, absolutely. That's a game I'll never forget, which is funny because the week before I was a fourth string outside linebacker and not a lot of guys know that there was a few injuries. Some guys Brody Buck came back and I think he just kind of jumped me. Obviously he had experience, which is fine. But then I think Jackson Barnes might have had a concussion the week prior. So Boswood comes up to me and says, hey, we have a competition for Mike. I can tell you're kind of getting frustrated outside. You might be a better fit inside. I'll give you a shot to compete for the starting spot this week. And kind of the rest is kind of history that way. Obviously, I won the spot, played an all right game, and just kind of developed behind Jackson for a few years, which was great having him and learning a lot from him.
0: Yeah. I mean, a guy, you know, that go from walk on to captain to all American, Um, you know, and in 2021, you got a lot of playing time. You weren't necessarily one of the starters, but, you know, you're behind guys like like Jackson. And you mentioned Brody Buck, Sam Phillips, also a part of that. How did, you know, being in the same room as those guys kind of prepare you to step up last year into being being a, a leader and kind of the leader of that group?
4: Yeah, and I'll I'll always say the linebacker position group is one of the best at just kind of bringing guys along and kind of teaching guys how to watch film, how to prepare, and just be ready for a game on Saturday. I hope I'm doing that for the younger guys right now, but we've always had a great tradition. Obviously, when I got here, it was Ben Altoff, Nick Hess, Andy Hessler, guys like that were just kind of there being role models for the younger guys on how to prepare, how to watch film and how to be a successful college football player. And obviously that kind of bleeds into Jackson, Brody and Sam. So we've always kind of had set that standard of the linebackers got to be the leaders of the defense. And if, and we need to prepare the whole defense, we need to know the defense inside and out. So we've got to do extra preparation to make sure that, we're all on the same page. So we, we kind of take that personally with the extra film preparation and just kind of taking charge during practice. We try to lead practice, whether that be energy levels or just communication. We always try to be the leaders on the defense because we have to know what's going on up front. We have to know coverage checks. So that's just kind of what we need to be doing. And it's, it's important for linebackers always to be engaged. So It's it's been great. It's been a great experience here. And Coach Boswick obviously does a great job bringing in like minded guys that want to great want to be better and want to push each other. So I've been obviously, like I said before, I've been very blessed with great role models and great mentors in my position group
0: when that, you know, going from a leader, your, your second time captain, your, your linebacker mate, Andrew Dumas, now a captain with you. and, And he had a heck of a season last year. Talk about his development and, and kind of the bond, the relationship that, that has developed with you guys.
4: Yeah. Andrew's always kind of been a leader, but this off season, he's kind of stepped up in that vocal leadership spot. He was always a guy that would lead by example. He always did the right thing, but this year he kind of understood that there may not be as many voices this year and it could be his turn to kind of step up and find his voice. So he's been great. He's really developed as a leader and really stepped up. I mean, a lot of times he's getting on guys at practice and it's great. He's, he does it in a way that he's not making guys fear him or get mad at him for the way he's yelling at him. He's yelling at him in a constructive way to where, he's going to set a standard and he's not going to let anyone fall below that standard. And that's kind of the leadership we need. And as a captain and leader in general, but there was a lot, a lot of times last year I worked in the library and I would, i have to work there 20 hours a week and I'd walk in between classes and Andrew would be there. I'd walk out after class, go to eat, go eat, or go to class again. Andrew would still be there. So, I mean, the way that guy studies is unreal because obviously he wants to be a doctor when he's older and the classes he's taking now are just ridiculous I couldn't imagine having to do that stuff so he's just one of the most dedicated people I've ever met so I'm very very lucky to have him as a friend and very happy to have him on our side
0: well, you're, you're no slouch yourself. I mean, you, you have almost got yourself a master's degree. What's what, uh, you know, what are, you know, after football, once that's over, what's kind of the, the thing you think you'd like to do for career wise?
4: As a career, I've been looking into, uh, medical device sales. I haven't done too much research into it just because obviously I'm trying to finish this season and worry about being the most successful we can, but, uh, For the longest time, I wanted to do physical therapy, and I got all my prerequisites done for that, so that took a lot of time during undergrad, but after about year four, when I realized I might have a sixth year of football, an extra three years of PT school sounded terrible, so I kind of switched routes, and I've always been really interested in the medical field. My mom's a nurse, and I've always kind of been interested in stuff like that, so I thought medical device sales would be a good option for me after football.
0: Well, and there's a pretty good network of uh, former Bearcats also kind of doing that, uh, doing that thing. Um, one other question, and then we'll, we'll get to the pick six with the, with the, with the fun, goofy stuff. Number 44, what, uh, what's the significance or, or is there a significance behind number 44?
4: <laughs> so, For whatever reason, when I was younger, I was always 34. I don't know what it was. I just like 34. And I mentioned him earlier. Alex Canellis was also my eighth-grade football coach. And my first game during eighth grade, I was wearing 34. I had an all right game, whatever it was. I don't remember the details. But right after we come to practice that next day, and he throws me a 44 jersey and says, here, you're not wearing 34 anymore. You look stupid. You're wearing 44. (laughs) Most, I think it was because uh, Jake Risen also played at Regina and played at Iowa, wore 44. My brother wore 44. So it was kind of a tradition that great linebackers and we're going to wear 44 at Regina. And obviously, with Jake, Jacob doing that, they wanted me to kind of take that on. So I wouldn't, it was sort of thrust upon me, but I've, ever since I've had 44, I've loved it and obviously never changed.
0: Nice, nice. All right. Well, I got the pick six for you. Are you Are you ready, Isaac?
4: Absolutely. Fire away.
0: All right. First one's always the same. You a superstitious guy? What? Uh, you got any pregame rituals? Anything like that? Got to always have to do the same.
4: No, I'm not really a superstitious guy. I'd say. Um, I think I mentioned it last year. Just one of the things that people always say I'm I'm weird for is not getting ready an hour early from when we have to go out. People will be sitting in the locker room about 60 minutes before we walk out for pregame warmups, fully padded up, and I'll be still in my sweatpants or I'll be wearing a T-shirt and shorts. They go, are you getting ready? I said, yeah, I'll get ready when I have to go out. (laughs) Football pads obviously aren't the most comfortable thing in the world, so I'm going to stay as comfortable as I can for as long as I can. So that's really the only thing I do that people might consider weird or superstitious, but I, I wouldn't say so.
0: Okay. All right. Fair enough. Second question of the pick six. We know it's not the office. What's your favorite TV show?
4: (laughs) Not the office for sure. Um, I don't know. I'm a big sitcom guy. My family kind of grew up watching sitcoms. So I was always a big two and a half men, big bang theory fan. And just kind of whenever I want to fall asleep or something, I'll turn one of those shows on and fall asleep, chuckle into something like that.
0: Okay. All right. Fair enough. Third question of the pick six: Apple or Android?
4: I'm an Apple guy. Apple guy. I don't know. My brothers both have Androids. I don't know why. I think it's because they like going against what everyone else does. But I don't understand the hype behind Androids. I got. I'm definitely not a person that falls into what the crowd does. But (laughs) an iPhone's one thing where I feel like everyone should should follow
0: suit (laughs) so you're 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 opinionated about the office and see i'm i obviously love the office and i'm an android guy so now Mm -hmm. i'm i don't also don't feel like everybody whatever if you want to have an apple that's cool everyone else in my house except my oldest son and i have apples so you know have iphones Mm -hmm. it's fine uh, okay. We know Each what their own. Exactly. Exactly. I try to keep things positive. So we'll just agree to disagree. <laughs> but, uh, <laughs> what uh, fourth question, you know, we have all the name image likeness stuff. Now, if if you could be a brand spokesman for any brand, what would it be?
4: Oh man. See me and my fiance and my brother are huge on crumble cookies and Cineholic cinnamon rolls. So I would I feel like I'd be doing them a disservice to say no because I'd say almost every week, seven o'clock on Sundays, Crumble Cookie comes out with their new lineup for the week and I'd say by seven fifteen, Jacob and I are texting each other about what we think of the new lineup. So I'd say either crumble cookies or cineholic cinnamon rolls.
0: Nice, nice. All right. Question five of the pick six. Who on the team has the best nickname? That you can share anyway. I'm sure there are some colorful <laughs> ones. But
4: <laughs> The best nickname. Oh, that's hard. Uh, I'd say uh, Preston Mel. We used to have a guy we called Toaf. Tons of fun. I won't name drop him, but uh, Preston Mel looks kind of like a younger version of him. So we call him Baby Toaf. So <laughs> I'd say that's a good nickname from Preston.
0: Nice. Nice. Good stuff. All right. Last question, Isaac of the pick six. And since you're a senior, it's, it's a little more reflective and and less funny, but you know, at at some point the season will end your, your bearcat career will also end. What do you want people to remember about Isaac
1: Volstead?
4: I mean, I just want people to remember that I left everything out on the field and I was going to do whatever I could to be the best leader, the best player and the best version of myself. And I want people to see that in my preparation and the way i play and just kind of the way i go about life i want people to say he did things the right way when i walk out of here and kind of leave an example of to, to these freshmen to these guys coming up on how to be a successful player in the program
0: good stuff isaac as always buddy i appreciate it and wish you and the rest of the team the best of luck uh, the rest of the season
4: absolutely thank you very much matt it was fun as always
5: Of geriatric football coach, Bob
1: Green, and you're listening to Bleeding Green with Matt.
0: And welcome back in here on Bleeding Green, and it's time to get to v- the view from the other press box. Joined by the voice of the Fort Hayes State Tigers, Gerard Welbrock. And Gerard, man, thanks so much for taking a little time and uh, coming on Bleeding Green here with me.
3: Absolutely. My pleasure to be with you.
0: So let's talk about Hayes, because obviously, you know, if if we go back to, uh, you know, 17, 18, 19, boy, the last couple of seasons haven't gone, um, you know, since COVID, the last couple of seasons hasn't haven't gone exactly the way I'm sure Coach Brown wanted to or even what the rest of the MIAA would expect, because I think, you know, talking to other people, certainly here in Maryville, you know, there's a lot of. Um, there's a lot of respect for Coach Brown. What was the feeling like going into the season? I mean, is is there any pressure on him, I guess?
3: I wouldn't say pressure. Obviously, the last couple of seasons have been below the standard. They have set after you know winning it back-to-back and came within a whisker. The tr- double overtime lost to Northwest at, at Lewis Field in 19 from sharing maybe another third straight conference title. And you said – since COVID and something with COVID happened. I don't know. I mean, it wasn't the same. Um, I mean, you can try to put your finger on why, but the program didn't feel the same. The, the locker room didn't feel the same. Who knows what it was, but I think they feel they've turned the corner with this group. And we've heard about this recruiting class. Some of the freshmen that are playing now, um, who were red shirts last year, the sophomore class when they were signed, Chris really liked this group. kind of compared them to that group that you know when they became juniors and seniors in 17 and 18 um i think he feels he can win with this group um and you can tell a difference just the the uh the the chemistry on the team is different Uh, for whatever reason it just it wasn't what it probably needed to be the last couple of years and 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 last year they I don't care who it was. If it's Pittsburgh State or Northwest would have suffered the injury sport, Hayes, that's not an excuse. It's a reality. When you have 24 to 25 guys and most of your mainline starters missing time at one point, you know, a good chunk missed it for the year. Chance Fuller got hurt in the Northwest game, starting quarterback, then he tried to come back against Carney and got hurt again. You just can't win. It's hard to win. So anyone would have struggled with the injuries. But that being said, there was something missing. I and mean, I think this group, you can kind of feel that um, they've got a chance to do some good things. And I think you saw it in the first half against Pitt State last Thursday, um, they had a one-point lead, but you saw the youth, and they really struggled. I think they kind of came out of the locker room and realized, oh, my goodness, we're in this game, and just didn't play well. And Pitt played really well. They They took it to another level, a championship level, and that's why you saw the results. But I think that first half, uh, kind of showed these guys, hey, when we play and we play well, we can we can play with anybody. So I, I think they're excited about this group. How many wins they get this year? I don't know. They're playing a lot of young kids. Um, they got four seniors on the roster right now, so uh, they're gonna, they're going to take some lumps. So when you play a Pitt, and you play a Northwest, you play an Emporia, it, you're going to have to play really really well, I and mean, then you make some mistakes. But in fact, we talked with Chris Brown earlier this week about the very thing, how in in maybe. 13 and 14 and 15 and 16 it kept talking about you know yeah we're close but we got to put it together for four quarters we played good for a half or good for three and we're kind of having those same conversations like when we play well we can play with anybody but we got to do it for for full 60 minutes and i think that becomes the big challenge for this group so uh, i think they're excited where this thing could go to in the future with a young, young team, but, uh, obviously they still have a long ways to go to get back to where they, they were, which was at the top.
0: Well, what was, when you look back at kind of at the start of fall camp, what was the mood like around this team and how was it different from a season ago?
3: You know, I, I just think there was just a, there was a, there was a bond and we hear the players talk about it all the time. There's just a, there was a connection. Um, they had more kids stay in Hayes and do the off season workouts than they had since those championship years. And for whatever reason, uh, those numbers had dwindled um, after COVID. And, uh, and, and that wasn't the case this year. They had a lot of kids stay upwards of 80 or more. And, and, and then they were accountable in getting them to the weight room, to their you know workouts and all the different things that they do on their own. And so the team kind of took accountability. Not maybe accountability might be the right word um it just it felt it felt different this year and uh this this group really gets along and they they do a lot of things outside of football together and i think that's so important in building a, a solid locker room and and it was a lot of the young kids leading the charge and you know sometimes you get with COVID, you get guys for six years you know potentially now and you know sometimes or maybe the heart just isn't in it like it was um and, and that may have had something to do with it but I sense that there, there's a hunger there and, and there's more competition at every position And that maybe hasn't been there the last couple of years. And as you know, when there's competition and, you know, there's someone behind you trying to get your job that makes you perform better and practice better every day. I think that's been a big factor for this team as well.
0: Well, and you look at the coaching staff and you see a lot of guys that have been there with Coach Brown for a number of years. How important is that with with. A roster so young, having coaches that understand how things are going and understand and work well together.
3: I think it's huge. I mean, I think you look at all the successful programs. By and large, you keep your staff together, and Four Days have been able to do that. And some of it's been, um, you know, they they've made an a, a, an effort by the school to pay better and 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 make it worth their while for a long time. I mean, I don't, you know, have the data to where it compared to other schools, but. It was a revolving door for assistance because I mean it was hard to make a living, and so it's hard to do that with a family. Where now you can do that, and it helps. Chris has got some guys he's been around for a long time, and and they like working together. But it, you, you can now do that, and, and that and, and that's that's gone on since Chris has been the head coach, and you're seeing that. I mean Cooper Harris has been with him almost the entire way. Al McRae stayed with the last coaching uh, group with Kevin Verdugo, and he is still here as the receivers coach, and. An associate head coach, and they've had a few guys go uh, here and there to, to bigger and better opportunities. But by and large, they've kept that group together, and, and it's been a—it's it, it, just the continuity, the, the message, and everything—the uh, language of how they're teaching things. The consistency, I think, is, is huge, and, and they've been fortunate to keep that as many of the, the programs that have had success in the MIAA do.
0: Well, you look back to Week One, and and you know, obviously, you look at the the MIAA preseason polls, and and Hayes down at the bottom, and and there were some people saying, well, you know, hey, how how is is could Northeastern State, you know, beat Hayes maybe, and and well. The Tigers answered that question pretty emphatically week one. Um, last week, you mentioned it was a it was a hard fought battle for a half with Pitt leading fourteen thirteen at at halftime, and unfortunately, Pitt scored the last thirty points of the game after being up fourteen to ten. But um, let, let's talk about last week, kind of what happened in that second half.
3: You know, I honestly, Pitt State had a 17-play drive in the second quarter that ate up over nine minutes. They converted on three fourth downs. One of them was a touchdown. I think that's where they won the game. I mean, four days had, and a lot of those fourth downs, they were in position and just could not make the play. If they stop that drive, hold them to a field goal or keep them off the board, because they had them in fourth and like 14 or 15. And. And just missed a couple tackles and in their tight end, Garrison went off. He, I mean, he, he proved he was an all American and he kind of single handedly kept that drive alive. To me, that's where the game was won in the second quarter. Four days came back, answered, scored. Pitt got a field goal before halftime. The, the defense was on the field. I think in the second half, uh, four days just struggled to get any consistency and continuity on offense. I think Pitt gets a lot of the credit for that. And then the defense was just—they just wore out. They were on the field so long, and they just never recovered from that drive. I don't think, even though they had halftime. Um, to me, that was that was where Pitt turned the tide of that game because Florida State probably had chances to be up more. Um, quite honestly, they got a fourth down stop on the first possession, came down and scored, and and felt like they had the momentum. But you get a stop on that 17 play drive somewhere, keep them off the board, go back and score. Now you're now you're up 10 and That changes that whole feel of the game, probably, and who knows how how it plays out. But to me, that that seven—it was a classic pitch State drive. Nothing nothing big, but some big fourth downs, um, and it just—I think it just wore Forte State out. Then you add the youth, and you know, being able to handle that. It, sometimes it's tough and it's challenging, and I think you, you saw that. But to me, that's where that's where that game swung in the second quarter, and it led to what happened in the third, fourth.
0: You mentioned the, the makeup of this roster. So many young guys out there. as A lot of new faces, too, when I look at it on, on guys that have come in through the portal. Um, one guy that's not a new face and, and who got a lot of playing time last year is the quarterback, Jack Dawson. What have you seen with his progression from from last year as, as a redshirt freshman and into this year?
3: I think he's playing with more confidence. I mean, quite honestly, he probably wasn't expecting to play last year. You had a veteran and Chance Fuller uh, who, who... – they went to the same high school. They never actually played on the same team. Uh, Chance was varsity when 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 Jack was uh, on the freshman team, uh, so they never actually played on the same team. But he replaced him as a starting quarterback the next year as a sophomore, um, and and I just don't think. I mean, you know, You got a veteran quarterback, but hey, you're one play away, and so he kind of got thrust into it. And to say he wasn't ready, I don't know that you know. I don't think that's always fair. But the mental side, and just it's the Mi and you're a redshirt freshman. And, and I think um, there were some growing pains. But I think now you're seeing the confidence that that brought with him. I think he's playing more confident. He's gotten bigger and stronger. Um, he's become a better leader. It's just his decisions. And he said he still there's a lot of things he's got to improve on it and get better at. But I think to me, it's just he's playing with more confidence, and and it was a it was a three quarterback race in, in camp. Uh, he and Ethan Forster both played snaps last year when Chance was hurt. Uh, Caleb Heubner was on the scout team last year. He's a redshirt freshman from down in Texas. He was in the mix, and it came down about a week before before they named the starter. And just from what I saw, I thought Jack kind of emerged. In the last two weeks of practice, and I think he saw the playing time and experience from a year ago, kind of take charge. And and, and I think he's proven so far uh, that was the right decision. He didn't make one mistake and threw an interception against Pitt last week. But by and large, he's played pretty well. And and I mean, he's their guy for now. But you know, the coaching staffs made it clear. You know, it's not set in stone. I mean, you got to still go out and you got to perform. And I think the the depth of that position is going to help. Keep him improving, and and chance even, or excuse me, not chance, but um, Jack even mentioned before the season, after he was named starter, the quarterback competition made him better mentally because last year he maybe would throw an interception or not make a play, do something wrong, and he may be done. I mean, it just it just mentally it, it broke him down. He did not recover as well, and I think the whole team suffered from that. But he said, in practice, you're battling for a starting job. If I throw a pick, I got to come right back the next time I'm out there. I can't worry about it. I got to go on to the next play. And I think it's helped him develop that next play mentality in games this year. So I thought that was an interesting observation and comment by him. And I think you're starting to see that.
0: Well, as you look over all this team uh, uh, offensively, where do you feel like the strengths are?
3: Um, You know, it's a good question. Their offensive line is young. Now, some of the guys got to play last year because of all of the injuries. I mean, they, and, and some of the guys who are sophomores who've got to play as true freshmen unexpectedly also were hurt. So one, they're getting healthy, which is good. But they're So they got a little bit of experience, even though they're young. But this is still a new beast for a lot of those guys. So I think that's an area that has to improve. Uh, I'm kind of going more with what has to improve. But the running game has to get better. And when A State was winning, you know, 17, 18, 19, they they could run the ball. Uh, They have struggled to do that. I think it's got a chance to be better. Um, Dawson, he's got a good group of receivers. They brought some new receivers in and some of the guys coming back. I think that can be a real strength of this offense. But to me, it starts up front, and they've got to be able to consistently run the ball, so, so you can you know be a little more balanced and, and not as predictable, and I think that will help Jack Dawson out. He's still a young quarterback. I mean, teams know you're having to pass, and that was some of the problem against Pitt. And you fall behind, got to throw the ball. Well, they know it's coming. It's a lot harder to do. So, uh, I think those areas they have to improve on to be better and more consistent offensively.
0: Well, With Coach Brown, I mean we all know his uh, you know his defensive acumen. When you evaluate the defense of this team, how good can this defense be?
3: I think that's the strength, and it's kind of interesting. Coach Brown has been coaching on the offensive side in the last few years. He's back on defense, and I think it's made a, it's made an impact. I think it's changed his coaching a little bit. I mean, he's got a little more um, a little more fire to him, not that he didn't before, but when you're on offense, sometimes it can be more cerebral than you're on defense. I mean, you're a little louder in practice, and I think that's, that's resonated with the team. Um, there are more returners and more veterans on defense. I think they're front four has a chance to be pretty good. And it's a young group outside of Jason Wallace, a returning senior um, Hazel horse and men just at the defensive ends. I think have a chance to be really, really good. They've, they've shown that this year men just made that switch from linebacker to defensive end last year. And he's way more comfortable this year. Hazel horse, he's kid transfer from K state uh, kind of getting used to it, maybe a little bit undersized but incredibly athletic and, and a smart player. Um, I think they have some depth up front linebacker. They've had some injuries and that's, a, that's probably to me the biggest question mark just because of lack of depth from what they thought they were going to have coming into the year um, and injuries that are going to keep guys out for a significant amount of time. So that to me is the question mark. Can they survive uh, with a thin core of linebackers? And I think the secondary is a little bit better. I think, you know, Mason Perez is a returning all conference player at safety. He's off to a good start. Um, Travion Mitchell, cornerback, had a good year last year, then had an injury that that derailed his season. He's bigger, he's stronger, he's off to a good start. They brought in a few new faces in the secondary with some depth. So I think the back end is probably a little bit better than it was last year. And quite honestly, I think they're going to have to live on their defense, at least here early on, to keep them in games and, and then hope that offense just every week progressively gets better and better, gives them a chance to win
0: well obviously a, a big game saturday night we know what the nighttime atmosphere is is like out in hayes but when when we're talking about you know the tigers and bearcats what's the perception outside maryville right now you know there's there's a lot of people seemingly in a lot of Bearcat fans down on this team. Of course, we know the injuries. Um, is it a situation where maybe this Bearcat team is ripe for the picking, or is it this team's going to be angry? Uh, how how do you see it, and how, how do you feel like the folks out in Hayes see it?
3: Yes, and yes, I think folks maybe see. And now amongst the team, I, I don't, I don't sense there's. I mean, it's Northwest. Northwest is at or near the top every year. They're a premier program in the country. That you, know,
5: you
3: know, they're they're a named value. I mean, their brand is their brand, and it's you know. So I don't think among the team, it's going to be the same Northwest you expect. Um, and I think I think last Thursday, six interceptions. I don't care who you are, it's going to be a lopsided score. I mean, it, it, I guess especially against a good team like Emporia State. So I think that you can throw that margin and how that game looked away because of the turnovers. Um, you know, that, if there's three turnovers, three interceptions, that game still goes down to the wire. And, and and so I think it was misleading. You had the quarterback injury, all those things that go into it. So, yeah, I think just those things and your team that's had injuries and, you know, Missouri Southern's obviously better, but it's a close score. I think the fan base looks like, wow, maybe they're not as good as they've been. This is our chance. But then you go look at them and play, it's like they're still good up front still athletic, still explosive offensively. Um, it's still Northwest. And so I think among the team, I don't think there's any, I mean, I think obviously you've got confidence. If you play well, you've got a chance to win a game, but I also think they are smart enough to know they were in a similar situation with injury last year. And yeah, you get that first game and guys get thrust into jobs that maybe they weren't expecting right away. Now they've had a week to prepare for it. And, and, you know, if, if indeed Runkey's gonna be the quarterback on Saturday, I think he's gonna play way better than he showed that first one. I think he's got a chance to prepare now and get comfortable. You can game plan for him. I think it'll be a whole different beast. I think Fort A State's very much aware of that. so yeah, there's no there's no taking Northwest lightly as crazy as that sounds or thinking, hey, we got this one because they're beat up. I think it's just the opposite. They're gonna rally the troops. They're gonna circle the wagons every cliche you wanna throw in there and they're gonna give our get four day state their best shot and we better be ready to match it or it could get ugly on our end.
0: Well, for the Tigers to get a win Saturday night, what do you look at as the keys for the game?
3: Um well I think that I think I gotta stop the running game. I think mean, I think you have a, if you have a new quarterback in there, they're gonna Northwest runs it so well. They're still good up front. They're big, athletic. Four days going to have to slow down the run game. They did an okay job against Pitt. I think it needs to be better. The defense has to be on point. I think if they can get a couple of turnovers, to me, is big. Um, just because now it's back in Northwest mind. Hey, we had six last week. Uh-oh, here we go. And plus, just the momentum that brings. But if you get a turnover, you got to take advantage of that turnover. Four-day state... Did that a little bit? I mean, there's only each team had only one last week, uh, but they did that against Northeastern. And quite honestly, for me, that that might be the biggest stat for the Tigers because last year, and even the year before, but especially last year, they were terrible, worst in the conference and takeaways, their fewest in 17 years. When you looked at when they were rolling and contending, they were among the conference leaders and takeaways and points off turnovers. They're that way again this year. Now it's only two games, it's a small test. But to me, that's an area, and that's how you win games and, and gives you a chance is, is, you know, and then it comes down to being physical. That's been a word Chris Brown's been throwing around since day one with this group, physical. He has, he thought they lost physicality the last couple of years. I think they're on the right track, but they're going to have to be physical, slow down the run. Obviously, got to be you can't give up big plays because Northwest they'll, they'll you know they'll lull you to sleep and then bam they hit you with a big one. And by and large, forty has done a pretty good job against that in those three games where they were great football games as good as you're going to find. They have to do that again on Saturday night, and then offensively they need to find some success. And it, I mean they've got to find a way to run the ball a little bit. It's going to be hard. I still think Northwest is good against that run. Um, but they've got to find a way to be able to run just a little bit. You don't have to run for 200 yards because you're probably not going to do that run well enough to give yourself a chance to be a little more diverse offensively. Cause if you become one dimensional, it's going to be tough in my opinion.
0: All right. Well, Gerard, I got one last thing for you before I let you go for fans making the trip out to Hayes. Uh, give me a couple good options for, uh, for
3: local eating establishments. Well, kind of depends on what you're in the mood for. If you're going for quicker, I mean, there's the taco shop and Taco Grande. They're kind of two been here forever, um, and it's kind of one of those. It's a personal thing. Which one you like? Grande's on Vine. Shop's closer to campus. I like them both. Um, so it's kind of if you're if you're wanting something quick like that, um, or you know, for if you're coming in a little bit earlier to dine in, obviously the queue is a you know, one of the best burgers you'll have, but a lot of other great menu items. Gela's uh, another place uh, downtown that is a, it's a, it's a fan favorite and, and great, great food. So it's kind of what you're in the moon for, but I would say, um, uh, if, if it's more fast and you're running a little behind one of the ta- one of the taco places, taco shop or taco grande, or, I mean, the queue's your basic sports bar. You can watch a game, have a burger and a beer and it's great. Or Gela's, which, you could watch a game there too. Their, their menus a little bit more expansive, but it's obviously one of the, one of the favorites downtown plus their own craft beers go in there as well. So a lot of good choices.
0: Good stuff. Well, appreciate it. And ought to be a great atmosphere. Uh, come Saturday night.
3: I think it should be a lot of fun. I, it's a big game. I mean, for both teams, we we're talking about that this week. You win, you're two and one, you're, you're still right. You know, you're you're right back there. You're game back at first and you got the whole season ahead. You lose, they're not out, but but boy, you got a hill to climb with two conference losses. So, uh, so yeah, this is for week three. I think this is as big as it gets.
0: Welcome back in here on Bleeding Green and joined now by sports editor, the Maryville Forum, John Dykster, regular here on the podcast. And John, as always, man, thanks so much for taking a little time and, and coming on. Boy, do we have some stuff to chat about this week?
5: Yeah. Thanks for, thanks for having me, Matt. And it be, uh, fun little
0: therapy session here. <laughs> right? That's, that's absolutely right. Dude. Probably I, I could use it at this point still. Um, well, let's, let's talk. We got to talk a little bit about Emporia. Um, I feel like a lot of it's been kind of talked to death, but um, I think, you know, you're, uh, I feel like articles was pretty nuanced. You're not really a knee jerk guy. And, and that's one of the reasons I like to have you on and talk to you and just talk to you off air and things. I feel like we see things a lot of the same way. Um, you know, obviously not a great loss, not a great look, not, you know, you you throw six picks. It's not going to be a pretty game. Um, but I think neither one of us are, are, are the sky is falling. Everything is horrible. You know, let's burn couches and, you know, set dumpsters on fire, that sort of thing. What, what are your, especially after having a few days to, to kind of think about it since or I guess a week now to think about it, what are kind of your thoughts and, and, and what are some of your takeaways, maybe some negative and some some positive from last week's uh, game against Emporia?
5: Well, the positive to start with, which I feel like nobody's really acknowledging because you can't prove it, but Northwest was moving the ball well those first two drives. Mikey threw a pick and pick six. But then they went right back down and scored a touchdown and they looked like they were going to easily score that first drive. So when everybody was healthy, Northwest looked like a better team. The defense held Emporia State to seven points um, defensively. Obviously, the pick six made had 13 um, in the first half. So I think Northwest was the better team in that first half or looked like it. Turnovers happen, injuries happen. It's football, injuries happen. You can't use an injury as really an excuse to not play well. It's football that everybody else has to be ready to play if something happens. But when when Mike Coency, when Khalil Smith, when uh, Kashawn Griffin were in the game, Northwest was kind of doing whatever they wanted out there. Um, then those guys get hurt and things, things went off the rails to say the least. There were a lot of interceptions. Um, obviously, obviously Chris Runke kind of took the brunt of that. Uh, if you look at Bearcats social media, a lot of things. Um, but he was in a tough situation. I wrote a, a piece earlier this week about that. And it's, it's just hard to ask him to go into that. Um, Would have you liked maybe some more reps for him last year um, when he was a redshirt sophomore? Well, they were playing a lot of tight games then too. And it was Brandon Wright and Mike Owens. And there wasn't really much time for him. And then obviously the Southern game, you would have loved to have had a drive or two where you get your feet wet. That wasn't how that game went. So it's, it's, a certain circumstances kind of collided to make that a really difficult situation, and um, and then I think Henry Martin came in, played well after, um, which is great to see. He, he faced a little bit different of a defense than what than what Renke faced. Um, they were in preserve the clock. Garen Higgins talked about it after the game how how he was just counting down the, the seconds to getting that win. So they were definitely playing conservative. Um, but that's take nothing away from Martin. He played well, did throw the interception at the end. Um, but, yeah, the game just kind of, when it, when it got knocked off kilter with the injuries, um, It it kind of lost control a little bit, it felt like, out there especially offensively. Defensively, I actually think they made a big step forward from the week prior. It's just you can't turn the ball over six times and have six quick change of possessions and get beat in the turnover. Northwest had the ball for the first six, seven minutes. I don't even know. I looked at it at one point, but a long time to begin the game because of the pick six and they still lost time of possession pretty convincingly. And that's hard to do when you have the first two possessions of the game and they're long possessions. So I don't know. That's long-winded of it's not as bad as maybe the final score indicates, but they have some figuring out to do, especially depending how long um, certain guys are out, namely Hohenstein. And uh, how they adjust to life with a young quarterback?
0: Yeah, absolutely. Well, well, defensively, let's talk there because that's where I think you know the expectations are. You, you certainly don't, and and it's been talked about after the game and, and at the media luncheon this week. You don't you don't expect a defense like Northwest to to not have any sacks uh, through two weeks to give giving up you know uh, average ninety yards rushing, giving up a game through the first two games. Um, but, you know, if, if you look at the big plays and some of the breakdowns from week one, there were, there were a couple of big plays. Um, there was a uh, beyond thir- for, for 31 yards or more, there was one play. There was a 40 yard completion. And so I, I feel like um, that that to me is promising because that's what you kind of have to look at. You know, if I'm evaluating things, you're looking at going forward, um, say, OK, you know, where's this team at? Where can this team be? Um, you know, they they were, they kind of corrected that. The defense was on the field for almost 70 plays. So, you know, at some point you're going to get, you know, they gave up the big run for, for Emporia's last touchdown, the 30 yard run. And, and, um, you know, there was, um, you know, there was that, but defensively, although I would, you know, I think the consensus from inside you know, the program is that the defense is certainly underachieved so far this season. I think there was improvement from week one to week two. Um, obviously, with Mikey out at quarterback, I think, you know, the, the defense is going to be relied upon a little bit more. But I have, um, I, I have some. I think there are things to feel good about to where this defense can improve. Where you know, even if you know you, you lose an All American cornerback, boy, that's certainly not uh, not just that a two time All American quarterback a cornerback. And by the way, he's just a junior. Um, you know, you lose that guy. I feel like I feel pretty good about the depth that Northwest has in the secondary. Um, you know, I I know the defensive line is going to be what's talked about. That's what that's what Rich coaches, and um, I certainly feel like there's talent kind of all over that side of the ball. And although there's going to be pressure there, um, you know, I I feel like that's probably an area of growth. That's a a place that you're probably going to look at not just this week, but, but looking ahead at at the next couple of weeks as you get ready for that big matchup against central Missouri, Um, you know, and so, and, and if you look at, yeah, the offense, like they were able to move the ball. The thing I feel like, you know, there was such, and there has been the last week S- things have been so, so negative on social media, which I guess, what do we expect whether they're talking about football or whatever is, um, I feel like there's a lot of people that maybe just kind of looked at the box score. It's up. Oh, you lost by 20 at home. You threw six interceptions. Oh my gosh. What an absolute embarrassment, anemic offense. Not really. Like I, they, they were able to move the football, um, pretty much all night able to to run the football, the the way the offensive line has played, you know, the, gone are guys like Mitch Goff, Tanner Owen, Gabe Bouts, you know, but this offensive line as a unit, I feel like it's playing as well as they have the last few years, not giving up sacks, you know, averaging five and a half yards a carry last week, even when, you know, you figured at times they knew they were going to have to run the football. Um, obviously, Jay Harris is doing his thing. I think there are enough things to to feel good about. Where oh, you know, the, the season. I mean, we're one and one. The season isn't over yet.
5: Yeah, and that's uh, kind of building off my soliloquy to begin this thing is I, I didn't even mention Jay Harris. Yeah, five and a half over five yards to carry against an employer team that had seen all those interceptions and knew. Northwest had to run the ball. Um, the fact he was able to do that, Tank Young like eight yards to carry, like it's not it's it's not like Jay would have to to be a run centric team. It's not like Jay has to carry yeah. it forty times. You could give Tank some um, Jackson Miller shown flashes. There they have some running backs on this team that can carry the ball, and that to me is what kind of gives the blueprint I think for how I would build around this young quarterback whichever one it ends up being is you have to be a run first team you have to be willing to establish that and be willing to lean on people and and just kind of wear them down bleed the clock a little bit become a run team and a defensive team that that is a that is a philosophy that has worked a lot in the past, including at Northwest. Um, So I, I'm, that's my, my thing is that the bright side for losing Mike, which there is no bright side for that. Um, But the thing is, if they have lost and had no veteran quarterback last year, I think it's, it's, even more of a concern. Right now, I think you do have the running game that you can build an offense around and put up points and accomplish things offensively. And I think that's what they need to lean into. And I think from hearing Coach Wright talk on Tuesday, I think that is what they plan to lean into. He had mentioned in that, that you don't need to necessarily be looking for the chunk plays as much anymore. Just grinding out first downs. And to me, that says we're going to ride Jay Harris and ride Tank Young and try to make that happen. If you can get to Sean Griffin back to some short passing games with that, with that quickness and run after the catch, that would be huge to help a young quarterback. There's, there's still plenty of weapons on this offense to work with and to make work if they, if they lean into it.
0: Well, and I, I think you know, I, Chris Runky gotten a lot of hate. And listen, he really struggled. He had a horrible game. I don't think anybody would necessarily. I don't think anyone would could or would argue with that. It wasn't like there's no positives. He made some nice throws. I, listen, I've seen enough of him at practice to to. We were talking about this before before we started here. Like I, uh, I whether he gets the start this week or not, or whether it's Henry Martin, um, you know, I, I, I hope Chris gets an opportunity to redeem himself. I really do for him because I, the kid's talented and, um, you know, one game where you're put in a tough situation, um, you know, where, where you, where you didn't play well, you know, that, that doesn't, uh, you know, that doesn't not, that doesn't a career make. And so, um, you know, I, I think him and, and both Martin, like, I think they both bring different things to the table and, and, or, or, uh, you know, there's certainly more, like you said, there's going to be more pressure on the run game. I'm glad you brought up tank young, by the way. I'm shifting gears here. I'm all over the place, John, as usual, but cool. I'm, I'm glad that you brought up tank young because he's a guy, what did he average like three yards a carry or something like that last season? He was a guy I, I'd heard about over the summer of having you know he unfortunately got hurt in in the scrimmage but I'd heard some good things about from the coaching staff and I think he had he he was the most impressive I've ever seen him in a bearcat uniform um and he's you know a great change of pace guy yes his name is Tank but he's you know he's not a big guy Jay Harris is more the tank of that but um you know and and you've got other guys you've got Jackson Miller they have the, some other guys that uh, you know, that are in the running back room that we may see, who knows as, as the season goes on. But um, mm-hmm. that was probably, you know, if, if I always try to look for positives um, and, and that's one that I saw on offense was I thought Tank Young played really, really well.
5: Yeah, I think he did too. And I think that could be part of kind of that moving forward. Like, I'm, like I was trying to say the last time is, is – seen a little bit more both of them on the field we've seen some but and i think if jaden brady was healthy we'd see even more of that because i think having those running backs play a little bit more slot receiver and and get them the ball in different ways just you you want that run after the catch element now if you're not getting the trunk plays just air yards you need you need guys who can that's why kashawn griffin's so important because He's not only a deep threat, but he's a run after a catch threat. Um, you, you like to see some guys be able to, to do that, and I think Tank's a guy who can play a little bit outside in the slot and, and maybe create some easy throws and create some easy yardage for, uh, for a young quarterback that is, I mean, surely they're going to want to get whoever it is confidence early against Hayes this weekend. And avoid kind of what happened last weekend with with the confidence just getting shot right away. So I th- I think that's going to be a huge key is to to create some easy trunk plays where it's not throw the ball forty yards down the field. Where instead it's hey get the ball in the playmaker's hand and let them make plays. So that's that's something to be be excited about moving forward. I think.
0: Yeah. Well, let's talk about this matchup with Hayes because Hayes definitely looks like an improved team. You know, if you just look at the final score from last week against Pitt, that doesn't tell the whole story. Um, you know, maybe they don't have the the uh, ammunition to, to hang with the, you know, the very top of the MIAA yet, you know, a lot of rebuilding and things, a lot of young guys, a lot of transfers that they have, but, you know, an impressive week one victory over Northeastern state, really impressive, um, you know, in a, in a, you know, ahead at halftime, 14-13 against Pitt. Now, you know, they didn't score again in the game. And 40-14 to 14 doesn't look great. But, you know, it definitely seems, I think you and I are both kind of, we've talked about this before, about how, you know, we're not alone. I think a majority of the MIAA and fans really like Chris Brown and think he's a good coach. And uh, so, you know, we thought this was maybe a possibility that they were certainly going to bounce back. Um, but it's it's a big game. It's a night game in haze. Um, you know that. You know it'll be a great atmosphere, and I think it's gonna. This game in general is really gonna tell us kind of where this team is at, at at this point. I like. I think we're all looking for for a response Saturday night.
5: Well, here's the here's the thing. It's Lincoln next week, so as you break in the 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 new quarterback, whichever one it will be this is the game that you have to find a way to get some confidence and get through. Cause you'd like to think that next week you can really, really get that quarterback confidence. And maybe this week it's, Hey, tank you got it. Or not tank, but Jay, you got to carry it 30 times. We, we need to survive through this one. And maybe you get light low next week with hopefully the score gets out of hand early and, and you're able to to get those quarterbacks some much-needed experience and de facto kind of like a preseason game for them. Um, but this week, I think that's, that's got to be the thing. This has got to be circled on the schedule is find a way to survive this week because you can't have two losses this early in the season. Um, going back to Emporia for a second, it's not like that's a bad loss. I feel like people are a little bit reacting like like that's losing to, I don't know, a Hayes team that's not ranked right now or a, or a Mo West team that's not ranked or, or one of those. Employee State, I vote in the D2Football.com poll every week. They were top 10 in the country for me before this week. Now they are top 10 in the country in that poll the top five in the country for me, honestly, now in that poll. Um, maybe I'm an MIAA homer, but I just, to me, that's the best offense in the country. And uh, and just what they're able to do is is says a lot. To, to look back at Hayes, look at one of the most productive passers in the country and a guy who just kind of tore up Grand Valley last week is Chance Bowler and he he's now at uh Colorado state Pueblo doing doing some amazing things. well, that just speaks the how good this league is that um they were a below average team within a quarterback and then before that they were obviously good when he was younger but um that that kind of tells you how good this team is so look at what Braden Gleason is doing against the rest of this league and that I mean, employee is just good. There's no there's no way around it. You can't can't talk about them like like I feel like fans are used to talking about them in like fifteen and sixteen when they were really good but Northwest was at another level than everybody else in the country. It's it's not a bad loss. If you told me Northwest was gonna w- lose one regular season game going into this year I might have picked that one instead of the pick name just because I, I think as, as a fan base, we underrate how good, uh, employee is.
0: Well, and I think too, you know, I think the thing that got people's attention is the final score. Um, Mm -hmm. you know, but, but, you know, if, okay, injuries happen, but, you know, say Mikey still gets hurt, but you don't, but you throw two or three interceptions instead of six. It's a ball game, you know? And, and I think that loss looks a little bit different. Now, listen, they happened. You can't throw them out the window. You can't excuse them. Um, they happened. It is what it is, but I, but I, you know, I mean, there are other thing, other tales, I guess that, um, or other statistics, other, other measures, of that tell the tale of that football game to where yeah it's a loss and it wasn't fun <laughs> you know how often a Bearcat stadium people leave early and they you don't you don't see that that often mm-hmm. you know I mean I think losing at home to a you know to a team that wasn't Pitt State you probably go back to oh three against Central Missouri you know I mean that's and, and I get it whatever emotions are high people whatever they're gonna say what they're gonna say people that that don't like rich um, are, are just going to wait for moments like that to, to pile on. Um, you know, we've certainly seen that in my good grief. Um, but I, you know, I think either, again, you look at the box score, it doesn't tell the story of how the football game went and, you know, the Bearcats didn't get blown off the field. They just, you know, again, you turn the ball over that many times, you're not going to win, and against a good team, you're not probably going to keep it very close.
5: Yeah, and I know you've already discussed the coach right situation on here, and I I have a column coming out tomorrow that addresses my thoughts a little bit on that. Um, there, there are issues to take for sure um, with how that game went coaching-wise. I was of the... Opinion that Northwest needed to run the ball, like I just said, you need to do against Hayes. I was of that opinion against Emporia because that game was not a multi-score game for for the most part. It was it was still close enough that you could have run the ball a lot more than you did. So I had that issue. Um, I think that's fair to bring up. There there are other things, but just in terms of how that was held. But yeah, the, the immediately after the game crowd that wants Coke, right. fired. up, I just don't really see, because part of what I said earlier, I see the defense making tremendous strides last week. I know it's 33 points, but like you said, that doesn't tell the story. And for the first half, they really shut down, uh, employ a team like I said that might have the best offense in the country so um I think that's worth noting but yeah the hate back to the Hayes game it's just it's a big one and if it if it doesn't go well there's there's no doubt that 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 vocal group of Bearcat fans will be a lot more vocal and maybe the numbers will grow
0: yeah, it'll it'll be interesting. I th- I think uh, yeah we'll we'll know a lot more come about ten o'clock uh, uh, Saturday night. But uh, well, John, buddy, uh, as always, I certainly appreciate it. I'm looking forward to your article that comes out tomorrow, and uh, we'll uh, we'll see what happens. And and I'll have you back on here again soon.
5: Man, that was a depressing last soliloquy to end on. But I guess <laughs> I guess we'll go we'll go with it happier times coming up hopefully so until next time we'll uh, talk to you later
4: bearcat nation this is jake soy hope you're looking forward to hearing this bleeding green with matt dale it's going to be a great one
0: And welcome back in here on Bleeding Green It's time for the Bearcats According to Eli Eli, buddy, what's going Nothing. on? Nothing? Nothing.
6: Yep, <laughs> said it real quick
0: <laughs> Oh, rough game last week at uh, In Maryville for the Bearcats, huh? Uh-huh
6: Sad That was
0: the first one I, The first Bearcat game like that you've seen, huh?
6: Uh-huh Like, what did we have? A 30-something win streak against them in a row? It just Almost. ended
0: hmm and we'd won 18 home games in a row, too. But you know the saying, all good things must come to an end.
6: Not all good things.
0: And they did, and it did.
6: Not all Not good all things, of the good though.
0: things, but some of the good things came to an end.
6: I didn't come to an end yet.
0: Well, you know what we need to do now? What? We just got to start a new streak. Yeah. Right?
6: Yeah, I guess you're right. Mm -hmm. And I can say, yeah, I was at that one streak When Emporia started beating us 30 times in a row
0: (laughs) I I didn't mean that kind of streak I didn't mean Emporia starting a streak of beating (laughs) us 28 or 29 times in a row
6: Let's start um, something against Pitt Yeah, let's start a win streak against Let's
0: start against Hayes this week
6: Okay, okay, but we beat Hayes last year
0: We did, yeah, last two years This would be the three years
6: This would be the fourth Yeah anyway hey dad
0: mm-hmm.
6: who went three and three last week you uh, Who went I think four it and was two? me
0: you yeah who yeah. still has a better overall record okay on okay
6: no, no no let's no no we're <laughs> talking about last week not overall okay not the <laughs> week before i may have not been six and oh but i still had a better a better record than you because i was right
0: mm-hmm let's uh, we got Two of the same games wrong, but the Southern game you, you called that one, and yeah. uh, I—I'm a believer now in Missouri Southern. See, so but I needed to see that win. I uh, and now I don't know what to think about Washburn. So I guess we'll see Trash. when it comes to uh, Washburn plays Lincoln. You gonna pick Lincoln this week? Yeah, go Lincoln. <laughs> okay, let's talk about last week. Um, Missouri Southern beating Washburn. 30 to 23 and uh, we both had uh, washburn or no I had washburn and you had Missouri Southern 2414 so yes, you got that one you you were Eli was very happy in the stands when that went down
6: yeah and also we were close to being tied
0: uh, and when that happened my cousin Brad who's also a listener of the podcast a Missouri Southern alum Told me that you're his favorite member of the Daniel family Before the win Before you'd even rightly predicted that game See, And uh, and you got it right
6: Yeah See, I'm just a good luck charm Any team I choose is normally who wins If you're a team that got close to beating the Bearcats Also, um, yeah
0: Okay Pitt State at Hayes uh, kind of turned out, I think, like both of us predicted. It was a forty to fourteen score. We both predicted uh, Pitt by at least twenty points, and uh, it was a close game. It was a one point game at halftime. Hayes had the lead, and I think Hayes has definitely improved, but not on the not on the level of Pitt. You would you would think probably not quite at the level of Northwest, but you know you can't throw but six interceptions against yet. them. Yeah, yeah. So also, well, we're getting there. I'm just. Just a little foreshadowing here about okay. what we're going to talk about. Okay. Sprinkle that in. All right. Uh, the other game that we both got – well, one of the games besides the Bearcat game, of course, that we both got wrong was on the Saturday slate, UCO at uh, Central Missouri. I did not see this coming. I, it didn't shock me that Central Missouri won, but they won 41-17. to And this Obrowski kid, who's their quarterback – is, uh, is playing great. Kill Smith, who was on my fantasy team, I didn't win, unfortunately, last week, but he uh, also did very well, and uh, I don't know. This it was, it, this game specifically really m- made me have some questions going into this week's Pick'Em. Um, other games, Carney at home against Northeastern State, we got that one right. It was a much closer game than both of us thought it was going to be, 31-17, for the Lopers, so that'll be interesting. They play Southern this week. We'll talk about that one here in a minute. Missouri Western over Lincoln. It was even more lopsided than either one of us predicted. 68-14. to 14. And wow. the Bearcats lose 33-13. to 13. We, of course, both had uh, the Bearcats winning that game. I thought maybe the Bearcats would win by a couple of scores. Boy, I was just...
6: All we kinds lost are by wrong. A couple of
0: wrong. We lost by three scores. Yeah, I lost by twenty at home. That hasn't happened in uh, to a to a team other than Pitt State since two thousand three, by my calculations, and so that's they, pretty unusual.
6: They were in two of our streaks. So if we make it to the playoffs and they make it to the playoffs, which I'm pretty sure only two MIAA teams can make it to the playoffs, so it's probably my guess is probably going to be us and Pitt.
0: Uh, we gotta win out, though. I know. I and if Emporia wins out, then and we're
6: gonna beat them in the playoffs if we go.
0: Yeah, but then what do you do? Can is, you know? Do you see a a a chance of you know they can lose to Pitt, we beat Pitt, and and the you know those three teams all win out, we'd all have one loss. That would be that would be very interesting to see what the committee would do in that instance. So. It's uh, there's a long way to go. We're just two games into the season. Who knows what in the world's going to happen at this point? But uh, anyway, yep. I what went three and three. You went four and two. I'm nine and three. You're eight and four. I'm very disappointed in my week two results in the pick'em after going six and zero week one.
6: I am too. I'm really disappointed. Th- <laughs> you're in disappointed
0: your in me. You're not angry. You're just disappointed, right?
6: Yeah. 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 Also, you didn't go four and two. I knew you should have picked Missouri Southern with me. They're a good team.
0: Slow and steady. You were four and two week one. You're four and two last week. So what two games are you going to get wrong this week? I'm going to go four and two again.
6: Shut <laughs> your mouth! I'm going six and zero this week.
0: Oh, the look I got was—it's <clears throat> a look you get from your mother. That was That was awesome. Okay, were well, you ready to do this, them Yes. So I'm going to say the games. You want to give your score first before I reveal my my picks? Yeah. Okay. Now, just for full disclosure, Eli didn't even want to see the slate. He didn't even want to see the schedule before we started. I offered multiple times. Surprise. He wants to be surprised and just go, it's all gut, all gut feeling Yeah. on Eli's pick'em. All right. Well, I'm just going to go in the order. They're all Saturday games. We've, we've got a whole full Saturday slate for the first time so far this season in the MIAA. Missouri Southern at Nebraska Kearney. You like Southern.
6: Oh, but Carney's
0: okay. got TJ Davis. I
6: need to talk. Okay, okay. Now, Nebraska Carney, I've chosen them. I'm, I've chosen them. That's probably, like, my most chosen team other than the Bearcats, if not second most. I mean, third or second most chosen. Because I, I, I don't know. Like I said, I think I said this last time, I always thought they were so good. But I've seen, I've seen how they played in Missouri Southern. They've been, they've just been killing it. Mm-hmm. I think I'm going with Missouri Southern.
0: Okay, Southern over the Lopers. What's your score?
6: I think it'll be quite kind of close. Thirty-four, twenty-eight. Touchdown, I think. Yeah, touchdown, touchdown, win.
0: Okay. We'll see. Yeah, T.J. Davis. He is not. He is definitely underperformed. Um, the the Loper quarterback. So we'll see. We'll see if he gets turned loose a little bit more uh, this week. Carney's offense is going to have to play better. They're going to find themselves um, slipping down the standings from where they've been the last few years. All right. I also pick Missouri Southern. I think it's going to be a close game as well. I say 27-24, field goal difference. Southern's got a pretty good kicker. Cat. That's what I say. I say they kick a field goal in the last two minutes to win the game. How's Coward.
6: that?
0: Coward. You're
6: copying me, and you're just dude. I
0: had these predictions done Monday.
6: Okay, well you're still a copycat because I chose. Last <laughs> I have week. to.
0: They they're I printed know. in the in the forum today, so they had to be in early in the week. So my predictions are always done. I offer to let you see mine first if if you want. No, 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 no. But you're just a copy you can't call me a copycat from last cat. week.
6: Yes, from last week, you're a well. No, cat. I'm
0: I'm I'm drinking the Southern Kool Aid now. I'm in. It usually takes me a couple of weeks. You know, there's a lot of crazy things that happen it's the first funny. week of the season, and uh, and and maybe Southern is better than I thought they were.
6: Kool-Aid's all sweet, but I think they're lemonade. They've got a little bit of sourness, but they're mostly sweet.
0: What does that even mean?
6: Quit that. You (laughs) ruined my metaphor. (laughs) Okay.
0: Yeah, it was me that ruined that. Okay. All right, you ready for the next game? Yeah. This is a big one. This one is one that I'm not sure about, and it could really upset the apple cart in the MIAA. Pittsburgh State at Central Missouri. Central has had two very impressive weeks to open the season.
6: Well, their impressive weeks are about to disappear.
0: It was more impressive last week after uh, beating the pants off UCO. Yeah. So what do you think?
6: But now they're going to get their pants beat off. Pitt is going to win. Okay. Pitt is. So
0: Eli's win. got a Pitt victory. What do you think, score-wise?
6: 48, I don't know, 14.
0: Oh, so you think... Central Missouri is going to come crashing down to reality. They're
6: going to fall over and hit the ground when they notice that the second best team just hit them. But they won't know what hit them when we go against them.
0: I don't know. I Pitt, so far, has the best defense in the MIAA. And that that does hurt me to say that a little bit. Um, I'm not saying the year is going to finish that way. But if you go to off-performance so far, they do. You can't argue with facts. Facts are facts. Um (laughs) I I I'm I am also picking Pitt and and I'll give you my score and here here's what I think. Thirty-five thirty-one Pitt over over central Missouri. I think Central Missouri can score some points, but I don't know. They haven't seen anybody like Pitt. I don't know if they'll score 30. I know some people in the pick'em were were predicting UCM would score forty. I just I can't see that happening against this Pitt State defense. I could be very wrong. Lambeau has, has cooked something up, but I, I don't know. I don't know if Central Missouri is as good as they've been so far. You know, When, when they play the Pitts, the Northwest, the Emporias, what are they going to do?
6: They're going to cry to their coaches. Well, that's what you
0: think. I don't know. I, I, uh, again, I, I think this will be a close game, but I just don't know if they can score enough points to beat Pitt. I'm not sure how good their defense is. UCO didn't score a ton of points last week, but I don't know how good that offense is either. They haven't played overly well. So, uh, I think Pitt's D-line is going to give the UCM offensive line some problems. And I think it could be, I don't know if I'm I'm drinking your Kool-Aid, Eli. I don't know if I think the margin of victory would be that much, but I think Pitt could win this game by three scores. But I'm going to go with a close game for now. We'll see You're what drinking happens.
6: their lemonade, my, not my Kool-Aid. How's
0: that for me waffling around there? Okay. Missouri Western at UCO. What do you think?
6: UCO got their socks knocked off. And mm-hmm. I don't really want to choose Mo West because, well well, yeah.
0: Trust me, I get it. Hey, if anybody understands, I understand.
6: But they are pretty good, I'll admit. They're doing okay. This Are they?
0: Season. Well, they played Lincoln last week. Of course, they look good.
6: Yeah, but the week before, what? Who'd they,
0: they lost to UCM.
6: Oh, okay, there's they're a lot
0: of points, lose. and they they came back and I made it close. I changed my mind. They're
6: gonna lose.
0: Okay. So what's the score? UCO the winner at home.
6: Yeah, UCO. They're gonna. They're gonna get a re. They got a reality check after last week's game. Now they're now they know reality. Now they're gonna beat that team. Okay. And uh, the score, it'll be pretty close, 24-14. Okay.
0: Touch- I have UCO as well. I think probably most of the favorites this week, you could go a coin flip on the Southern Kearney game um, as far as who's the favorite, but I think most of the other favorites are the road teams, except for this game. I have UCO 24-20. I don't know. I think it could be a higher scoring game than that, too. Um since I've thought about this game a little bit more, uh we'll we'll roll with my forum score and prediction, but I'm not sold on Missouri Western's defense. And, but UCO's offense has definitely struggled. Is there was there a breeze rolling through here or did you just blow in the microphone over there? Sorry. <laughs> uh okay, so we're both going UCO. On that one. So, three picks in, we're the same. I don't know that we'll probably have any different picks this week because the rest of these games are are uh, pretty straightforward. Emporia.
6: Northwest. I'm northeast.
0: Right. Emporia at Northeastern State. How many points will Emporia score?
6: What? Who said I'm picking Emporia? I'm joking. I'm picking Emporia. I'm not stupid. Who are they going against again?
0: Northeastern State. Oh, yeah. What are you doing? Can you quit I'm doing sorry, that over there? you the whole room's collapsing around us.
6: <laughs> anyway, obviously northeastern state. I mean, the other team. Emporia. Emporia? I don't even remember. Are you? Name.
0: Are you even here? Am I? I feel like I'm almost doing this podcast by myself at this point. I'm a. Are you bored?
6: No, 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 no. <laughs> My brain's fried.
0: Eli I'm... did have a scholar bowl meet tonight, so there there was that.
6: Yeah, and I. Didn't even get a buzz in, but I I wasn't
0: point. gonna say that. You got a couple of bonus questions though, so hey.
6: Yeah, cause I was captain, cause I'm the best on the team.
0: <laughs> Wait till your classmates and teammates hear that.
6: Oh yeah, once they do, good thing none of them listen to this podcast.
0: Yeah, good thing you don't ever talk about the podcast to them.
6: Yeah. <laughs> anyway. Anyway. Let's Emporia get at Emporia. Northeastern State. Emporia's winning. Um, sixty-two. Uh, fourteen.
0: That is insane, by the way. So uh, sixty two to fourteen. Eli has not seen my scores. He refuses to look at them. I have sixty-three to
6: fourteen. Whoa, whoa, <laughs> whoa. Whoa, you little ripoff. That's
0: hilarious.
6: I mean, I'm the little ripoff now mm-hmm. thinking about it, even though I can't or even see her. She I'm
0: admitting standing, it yeah. is half of the battle. So there you go. All right. Not gonna spend any much, much time talking about this. Even this one, Washburn at Lincoln. Lincoln. <laughs> That would be amazing
6: You wouldn't know what Washburn's playing crappy But Washburn's
0: not playing great Agreed
6: Washburn If you lose this game Then you're losing And Lincoln will get their If Lincoln wins Their only chance to get Northeastern State I don't know when that comes around Yeah I think they have a
0: non-conference game But I honestly don't know who they're playing in that game So Or I mean I guess they're all non-conference games Because they're not in the MIAA anymore But they they have one game against a non-MIAA team and I don't know, and it doesn't really matter to is me. Is the
6: new team going to replace them?
0: Probably at some point. I would be okay if they didn't, but I don't get to decide. Anyway, Washburn, what's the what's the score?
6: Washburn? They're not even going to win by a landslide like how we will. 42-24. That would be
0: pretty good. Lincoln has some athletes. Their quarterback is, is decent, so is a running back. Yep. They can make some plays. I think they may score some more points this year, but uh, I'm going to go 55-21 Washburn. I, back I wrote better. on my sheet here that you picked Lincoln. That's hilarious. So let me scratch that out. <laughs> <laughs> you would have definitely disputed that next week. All right. The game that everyone wants to talk about. Northwest at Fort, Fort Hayes State.
6: Hey, is going to win. Just kidding, Bearcats.
0: Easy, pal. Holy smokes. So everybody else is talking smack on the Bearcats. You're just going to jump on the old bandwagon, huh?
6: No, I just. I'm, said I'm kidding. Okay. Anyway, all the I got all my I got all
0: my ranting and fired about being fired up out earlier in the podcast. So so we're good. I'm just teasing you.
6: Yeah, all those people. Not all of them. Probably most of them, if not all of them, but most of them. They're big, little, whiny pants. They can't play any better. Can they coach any better? No. Can they do anything any better? No. They can't.
0: Eli coming in hot. They don't get
6: paid to do their job. so They don't get paid to scream and be annoying, so why don't they shut up? Anyway.
0: (laughs) Uh, Man. Uh, Well, you're not making any friends of Ford Hayes. That's for sure. In Hayes, Kansas. All right, Bearcats, what's your score?
6: I think... Since last week, getting our socks knocked off, mm-hmm. I thought we would have practiced for for you. We did. We probably did practice well, but since our a lot, two of our main, our starters, two of our one of two of our best offensive players, not the best, but two of the best, mm-hmm. they if they both got injured, that was not very good. But the yeah.
0: well, we'll have a backup quarterback this yeah. week. We don't know which one. At this point, as of recording time anyway Who's going to start it Won't be a Mikey, he'll miss at least a few
6: freshman. Oh, that.
0: Or Runky the sophomore I know, I know so, I,
6: I wouldn't be surprised if he got to play and said Because a redshirt freshman playing
0: Don't see I'm that not, a lot I'm But I mean it did happen in bad. 2018 Braden Wright was a redshirt freshman so.
6: Anyway um, We're going to win And mm-hmm. We've gotten better, and I think our defense will as well. I say we win 24-7. to Nice. I've kind of been using 24 a little bit. I don't
0: know. Our defense is not where I would expect it to be at this point. Now, we lost a lot, especially on the defensive line. I'm I'm not necessarily down on our defense. Um, but, you know, you can't argue with statistics. I, they have said, they, you know, they have to play better. Um, defense is going to have to carry the team for a few games anyway. And uh, and then we'll see. Can can Mikey? Looks like maybe he can come back at some point. Not really sure on a timetable on that. I doubt we'll really know much about it until until that probably happens. I'm picking the Bearcats. I think they're going to need the defense to show up. We need some turnovers. That's that's a big key in this game to me. Is uh, is forcing some turnovers? Whether we get sacks or not, we need to get pressure on the quarterback. I go 28-17, Bearcats. Okay. All right.
6: I don't like that you chose it that close. I really. I mean, that's a
0: two-score game, but I think this this week and this response in this game is going to tell us a lot about this team.
6: Yeah, this is going to but be you got to win. Go get
0: past. You get past this game. You get Lincoln, and then boy, you you're you got Central Missouri after that. But we can't talk. Or I mean, we can because it doesn't matter what we say or think about or what we can look at the schedule all we want. But the team. They've got to focus on on Hayes. I think they will, and I think they'll get the job done in a night game out of Hayes, Kansas. All right, buddy. We've rambled on for long enough. What What do you got to say, and uh, how are you going to wrap us up?
6: i got a few things to say. One is um, some very useful advice. That um, if you chose different from me, then you're wrong. Unless you're right, then you're right. But you're wrong. Unless you're right. Anyway, other than that. Um, the bearcats aren't yellow. They're not they're not gray. They're not blue, they're green. And white.
0: But mostly green. Yeah. There it is. The bearcats, according to Eli, boy, I had to help him out a little bit there at the end. Wasn't sure if we were gonna get there or not. He was extra fidgety. You get that kid a fidget spinner or something. He was banging on things and tossing stuff around, dropping stuff. I don't know what's going on or get him a, I don't know. They still do fidget spinners. Oh, they have those fidget cubes. I'm sure I sound 87 years old and way out of touch right now. Sticking a hoop, ball in a cup. No, I don't know. Anyway, um, <laughs> I, I want to summarize and say a couple last things here kind of related to, I'm not going to go on another 30 minute rant, but just to kind of clarify a few things, you know, I, <clears throat> I felt like it was important for me to talk about some of the reasoning behind why I do what I do. And I, you know, I had some things that I certainly wanted to talk about as well. And as I'm not going to change anybody's mind or anything else. I I understand that. But I do want to make it clear that, you know, whether we respect each other's opinions or not, to me, it's kind of irrelevant. We can still respect each other's people and and, uh, that's that's important to me and that's, I think that's all I was trying to trying to get across, not be anybody stooge or, um, you know, be an apologist for anybody. No, but nobody, I'm not trying to defend anybody, whatever. I'm just giving you my opinion. And, um, you know, whether I use colorful language or not is kind of irrelevant. My opinions are my opinions and, and it is what it is. and, and, I don't know. I guess you can believe me or not believe me, but I felt like it was important to say all of that that I said. I'm sure I didn't maybe communicate some things the way that I wanted to. I didn't edit any of that at the beginning, nothing. It uh you know, I guess if you want to take some things out of context, I'm sure somebody's going to be mad at. Even if you don't, somebody's going to be mad at me. That's okay. That's uh that's not a place I've always been in my life, but I think I am now. That's okay. That's all right. We don't always have to agree. I just want something I want this podcast to be something that um, it, Bearcat Nation can be proud of. And that's it. That that's that's pretty much all. That's what I want. And I will continue to do this as uh as long as I can. As long as I as long as I have fun with it. That's, that's, I get, I do get that question quite a bit. How how long am I going to do this thing? I honestly have no idea. Is it another year? Is it five years? Is it 10 years? (laughs) You know, I I really don't know. Um, I don't, I don't think it's probably one year. I think it's longer than that. There, there are a lot of interviews and things, especially in the off season that I want to do. That, that I've not got the opportunity to do yet. I know there's more than I'll be able to uh, squeeze in next year. I already have probably I don't know four, five, six that uh, that we're, I'm going to make happen. It's just just getting them done. That's that's something that I certainly uh, certainly want to do. Um, I did get an interesting question. I think I, I'll probably start submitting. If you would like to submit questions for like q and A, Q&A, whether it's myself, whether it's Eli, tweet me uh, and uh, you know tweet at underscore bleeding underscore green send a message or, or leave a comment on the Facebook page and the group bleeding green podcast. Um, you cannot do that through the uh, website, bleedinggreenpodcast.com, unfortunately, but I do have an email bleedinggreen.bearcats dot with an S at gmail.com. If you'd like to submit them that way. And I got an interesting question this last week and was, uh, would I, it was a would you rather type question? And it was, would I rather have played at Northwest on a national championship team and have a ring, or uh, would I not and just do this podcast? It was neither or. If if I did that, the, the podcast wouldn't exist. And I, uh, I said the podcast i want to do the podcast listen i've never had any athletic ability football or otherwise in my in any part of me my entire life so that's i guess never something that i've ever really considered before that is interesting but i looked at it i look at it this way is if i was on one of those teams you know i would have bonds with those guys on that team and through this podcast i don't have those same bonds with any of the players or anyone else that I talked to, I've become friends with some and that's honestly an amazing thrill for me. It really is. Cause at, I'm a fan at heart. Absolutely. And you know, there's so many different people that I've gotten to talk to reach out to learn so much about Bearcat football and the history, some more recent history, some way back when that it's, uh, it's been pretty fantastic. And, and honestly, I, I don't think I would trade doing this podcast for anything. This is, uh, this is pretty important to me. In fact, um, it's, it's something that I do everything I can to rearrange schedules and whatever to make sure that I still have time for two things in my life. One's my family. Um, unfortunately, that's not always been a priority for me because of work and whatever. you know Things happen, previous careers, and this podcast. And there are two things I pretty much will move heaven and earth to spend time doing and, and that's spending time with my family and spending time. and I, I truly mean that I'm not just saying that I'm not whatever that's that's uh you know pure uh, pure look into into my heart right there I, I love doing this it's uh, you know it's it's an absolute thrill and sky's the limit baby let's keep going Let's see. Let's see what we can do. You know, any way you can you can help out with this podcast. If if you'd like to donate, um, help me offset some of the costs with the podcast. Just looking for like a yearly thing. You know, I'm not not continually asking for more and more. But that's kind of you know if if uh, you know you you've given thus far, then tune me out until you know till till next year. But the Venmo is at Bleeding Green Podcast. You can leave a donation there. In fact, I got a, if if anything sounds different, I got a new screen for my microphone to cut out some of the popping and things and got a new mic stand for Eli. Not, a, not that, you know, not talking really more than like 50 bucks, but I was, uh, that's one of the things I use, use those funds for. So just, uh, you know, being transparent, there are other things there's, there's yearly subscriptions and things like that that are all involved in this podcast. And, and I've, you know, been able to put some of that money into really good use and saving more for some other things that, um, uh, you know, if we end up getting enough, then I will I will share when that time comes. So we'll just kind of see how that goes. Anyway, no pressure. If, if you don't want to or you can't donate, that's fine. I'm, I'm still doing my best to improve the quality, improve this podcast. Uh, you know, there are other ways that you can help with this thing that don't involve um, giving money. Just maybe giving a, a few minutes of your time. But, you know, sharing the podcast, spreading the word. And again, you know, my whole goal is to make this something that we can all as Bearcat fans be proud of and and that anyone can listen to. And so, um, you know, if you, uh, you know, subscribe on on uh, wherever you listen to this podcast at, get notifications, all that stuff. I try to be as consistent as possible, even through these Thursday games. I know that doesn't give you a ton of time to listen to the podcast, but I feel like it's important always upload at the same time and so I'm, I'm always shooting for in shortly after 6 a.m i know it goes up on spotify first some of the other places it kind of trickles down usually by 8 a.m on a thursday it should be pretty much anywhere um, that you can listen but again make sure you're subscribed and all of that stuff you know if you can give it a thumbs up a a five-star rating leave a comment all all that stuff's great and i I definitely appreciate all of that stuff but that's going to do it here i said i wasn't going to go on and i'm I'm rambling on again so that's going to do it for another edition of bleeding green bears burgers and bearcat football i'm your host matt daniel remember be kind because kindness makes a difference and as always no matter what go bearcats (laughs)